Fitness Corner with the Brian Campbell. This is the Professional Wrestling Edition. Now me, I am handsome and well-dressed Nick Costos. And to answer the question that's percolating in your head, yes, I am aware of how awesome I was on last week's podcast. I am aware of how epic that promo I cut was, which, by the way, came off the top of my brilliant dome. You know why? Because I'm the man. That's why I'm the star here at CBS Sports HQ and the only one on the network that can... I already told you last week, go back and listen if you want to hear it. Handsome and well-dressed Nick does not repeat himself, unless he does. You can follow him on Instagram, at the Costos, because while he is epic, while he is brilliant, and why he, while he is the straw that stirs the drink, he is also a pathetic, petty, insecure little man who needs your likes and validation to get through the day. And as always, I am joined by my tag team partners. First up, you know, people always say nobody's perfect, maybe with the exception of our Lord and Savior. The man sitting to my left spits in the face of that notion. He is perfect. He has never been wrong. Don't believe me? Just ask him. He'd love to tell you. At Silverstein Adam on Twitter, I would say that the Silver King is probably six months away from being self-aware enough to realize he is just as petty and insecure <laughs> as yours truly. He is the Silver King, Adam Silverstein. Hey now. And of course, I am also joined by the man whose name is on the marquee. Come on. He is the icon. Let's go. He is the main event. Bring it. He is the showstopper. My man. He is the whole effing show. One time. He is the bod that runs the pod. Stay hyped. He is the mast that guides the cast. Here we go. He's been complaining a little bit more than usual, but we'll pass over it for now. You know his name, damn it. He is the Brian Campbell. Oh, yeah. BC, tell him what's on the podcast. Well, Nick, as the listeners have already heard, this is once again an episode they simply won't want to miss. Costi is back, but maybe even more importantly, the Silver King is smiling to a level that I have never seen him before. Let me tell you, let me tell you a piece of meat that I enjoyed. <laughs> we'll talk about a lot of pieces of meats as we'll break down the fallout from our SummerSlam instant analysis episode. That's a great drop, by the way. That's hilarious. Love it. And maybe have Nick Costos himself mediate, get between, take, put us on trial, take us to court, and find out who had it right from the fallout of Sunday into Tuesday and Monday, Raw and SmackDown. But it doesn't stop there, guys. This is a loaded show. We've got SummerSlam interviews that I, that I was lucky enough to get with Elias. The Miz, Finn Balor, a lot of good stuff you want to get to. The Silver King and I will also be closing the show with a lot of NXT talk coming off of that red hot fire takeover four card in Brooklyn and where the yellow and black brand is going next. But hey, you know, handsome Nick, he might be up all night long, but he can only usually be in the show for about 20 minutes if we're lucky. So we might as well play his theme song and get right into the meat of where we're going here. Hello. Oh, this man's got the largest libido, and you know he also loves to come back when he knows the show is hot. He's very, I mean, of very course. strategic. You He's... know, last week I said it was Ric Flair. Maybe I am Brock. And he, and he also takes my theme song entrance too, which I don't love what, too much. What's, what's your theme song? Play it. And let me welcome in my co-host. Say hello to the bad guy. Hey, you made it! You made it like I stole the Razor Ramon entrance for you. I've had the Val Venus entrance the whole time. No, I'm talking about the time of the show that I get the juice, baby. 
Wow. Silver King, wow, this guy's you, fired you, up right now. Silver King, you get that juice when Handsome Nick's not on the show. <laughs> That's true. That's actually good. Well, we got a lot to get into. I know the people are waiting anxiously to find out essentially who won the war. Is BC a heel? What the hell is going on here? But we also want to get through some really, really good stuff that went down this week because for everything I said about Sunday night, guys, Monday and Tuesday, pretty good damn pro wrestling we got. All right. So you oh, what can, a surprise. You can connect the dots and do with that math equation what you will. And we will. And I will. And Nick, I'm fired oh, yeah, up to I have would, you I back. I would say more appropriately, I will. And, you know, we got a ton of tweets, a ton of feedback after we announced I'd be on the show to mediate here. And like I said, and, and this will prove to be true when we get into it, I am not going to play favorites. Everyone knows my my personal relationship with Brian Campbell. It will not factor into the equation. I am going to be unbiased. I am going to be just. I am going to be the diametric opposite of the Russian judge, the Silver King, back in the day when he was judging our hero or zero segments. I will be fair in my analysis and my mediation. See, I'm going to respect Nick as the referee here, but you generally don't need to go to the cards when someone's busted open lying on the canvas dead. (laughs) And that's the situation we're in. He's talking about you, BC, in case you didn't know. Well, I think uh, I think we'll find out where this goes. By the way, the listeners poured in the DMs this week. A lot of really angry people at your good pal B- BC. A lot of people, uh, you know, this was a shoot, brother, in a lot of ways. A lot of people taking this to the heart, a lot of them. But, Nick, before we get into the, the main event, the good stuff, I want to put you on the hot seat real quick and say, hey, last week you came back for SummerSlam. It was a big deal. We didn't think you'd see you again to WrestleMania. We know you're the big big-time star nowadays. Great promo last week. I don't want to throw that under the bus. That was everything and more. I mean, you can't throw it under the bus. I came on your show, and I made your show. I made it but, better. You're, but, you're, you're welcome. But, you know, your back seems strategically. Is this a uh, another one and done, or, or is uh, this the beginning I mean, of a— I, of mean, a... I mean, we'll see. Look, here's the bottom line is when Handsome and Well-Dressed Nick is on the show, the show is obviously better because Handsome and Well-Dressed Nick is, is freaking awesome, and Handsome and Well-Dressed Nick is also an opportunist, and Handsome and Well-Dressed Nick saw an opportunity where the podcast was hot. You Somehow you guys managed to get heat without Handsome and Well-Dressed Nick on the show. So Handsome and Well-Dressed Nick had to insert himself into the middle of it. You're damn right there's political backstage stuff going on here where I text the man whose name is on the marquee, Brian Campbell, and I text the Silver King, Adam Silverstein, and I put myself into the middle of the show. So, yeah, of course I'll be back because I love the ITC. I love BC. I love the Silver King. So, of course, you had to know that he was going to be back. All right. All right. I'm down with that. I'm down with that because I just, you know, we're always honest with the listeners. Sunday night from under the hotel bed sheets, I was about as honest with the listeners as one can be. I don't want you teasing anybody, teasing up the bag and not being there for the mess. But look, we got to get right into the beginning of this show. And it always starts with the main event. This is the main event. So there's no way to start the main event this week other than talking about what went down the final four minutes of Raw On Monday night, you had Finn Balor nearly win the Universal title, only for Roman Reigns to spear him. Only for Braun Strowman to make believe, not make believe, actually attempt to cash in the Money in the Bank briefcase. Only for the Shield to reunite and triple powerbomb Braun Strowman through a table. BC, did you feel that? Wow! This, this dude, it felt like the 90s. Tell me it didn't feel, and I don't mean it felt like the Attitude Era, I just mean it felt like a time when anything could happen in wrestling, and something that's off the board in play, you think, comes through. This was 
awesome? Did I feel that? Did I have the feels inside of me where there feel like there were hands running on the inside of my satchel? You better believe it. One quick second, though. If Finn Balor would have won the title there, I know the pop they got now was larger. We're in a better but I, I was hoping, I was biting down, I was hoping that Finn could come through and win the title there. The people would have popped. But did I imagine they would pop to this level that it would go here? Wow. Now we got to dig deep in here and unwrap it because there's a lot at what the Shield comeback says for potentially what Vince thinks about Roman and what he can do solo. I know there's a lot of political stuff in there, but just for the fandom, guys, to see that comeback when you didn't expect it, to have it tie in with Ambrose's short hair comeback, all we needed was that that yellow skunk tail painted on Seth's head, Nick, and we would have had a full-on return. And while it felt a little nostalgic, cheesy last fall, and I know they didn't get to finish what they were doing there, it felt perfect this time around. Yeah, I thought it was great um, for many different reasons. First and foremost is that they're all faces, including Braun Strowman. So it's face-on-face crime here. Now, I think we'll see what happens. I think it would be a major mistake to turn Braun Strowman heel, leave him as a face. And I think that this, this dynamic is really intriguing. So Reigns goes over Balor. And, you know, I tweeted on Sunday night that kind of I may have been wrong about Finn Balor. Finn Balor, I think, does have it. And I may have been wrong about that. So Mia Culpa from yours truly, Silver King, take notes. I kind of wanted <laughs> Finn Balor to win the Universal title also for that moment. It would have been electric. But... Long-term booking-wise, it wouldn't have made sense. Right. I mean, you, you have this whole buildup for Reigns to win. He finally goes over. He can't lose the title the next night. It was never going to happen. But the fact that they worked it into our heads that it might happen means that they succeeded. They did a great job, and the match was very good. So when the Shield comes out and the, the music hits and Strowman's looking to the crowd, which I thought was a really nice under-the-radar touch, triple power bomb through the table, I'm fascinated to see what happens next, right? Because throughout the whole Reigns-Strowman deal that they did last year— Braun was the heel, Roman was the face, and the fans cheered for Braun instead of Roman, and they tried to kayfabe murder each other like for, for two months straight. So I think it'll be a lot better this time around. And here's the other thing about this that I like. So with Brock Lesnar out of the picture, right, presuming Brock's going to the UFC to lose to Daniel Cormier because that's what's going to happen. You know, last year, we knew pretty much what, the night after WrestleMania 33, that the main event of WrestleMania 34 was going to be Roman Reigns and Brock Lesnar. Now Brock Lesnar is out of the picture. And if I asked you guys right now, What's the main event of next year's WrestleMania would be? I'll bet you we would have three different answers. Hey, let's play that game, Nick. I think that we could be on our way to a Shield triple threat. So do I. So we have to. We would have to, of course, forget <laughs> so that. Not three answers. I, I guess that, we don't have that would be my answer too. Well, well, look. Okay, first of all, Rousey. Well, one of two. It's Rousey and Charlotte. Rousey and right. Charlotte are going to be because I feel like it's the year that they're going to do that. But fair, uh, fair enough. Let's forget I mean, like, battleground the main men's match. Yeah. Let's forget battleground 2016 ever happened, and let's have that triple threat shield match in a pay per view that matters. Like, and you know what the thing is, Nick? The reason why I like this the most is because I was assured. And this is part of my anger on Sunday, a lot of it. I was assured we were getting something so predictable, which is Reigns now has the belt, and he's just going to have a regular feud Nine. with with uh, Strowman after he cashes in. And, hey, guys, we just saw that last year, but I'll try to make it work. The fact that they added in the shield is now I'm getting something different. It's the same, but it's different. There's other possibilities. And bigger picture, like you just said, Nick, now I start to look to head to WrestleMania. And could I have either a shield triple threat or could I have Roman against Seth, which I think... Of, I mean, that would be great. Of the prime I would, I guys. I prefer that. Yeah, of the prime guys that. right now. I mean, guys, think about it. Look at how many WrestleManias in a row that either somebody in the main event or the co-main event is a legend that they're bringing back because maybe they don't fully trust. They're not allowing the roster as it stands now to find their Austin and Rock and let those two have a long-time feud. 
let Seth and Roman do that at this year's media. Put all the money in the guys you have. I'm not saying it's going to happen, but this takes us a one step closer. But that's been the entire problem. That's just not WrestleMania. That's been the problem with Raw the last year and a half. Because you've oh, you've had Brock Lesnar with the title off TV. You've had Roman Reigns as the guy everyone knows was chasing and would eventually get it. And yes, it was cool when he had the Intercontinental title that I predicted. But more importantly, it, it stopped other everyone else on the entire roster who was four inches shorter than Brock Lesnar from actually competing for the title. It was only Roman Reigns, Samoa Joe. Uh, no, that was, that was, sorry, that was before. But it was only Roman Reigns, Kane, Braun Strowman. That was it, right? So now, yes, Finn Balor gets in the mix. Seth Rollins gets in the mix. Now, granted, yes, Roman's champion. I'm just saying it opens up the door for Bray Wyatt to get another opportunity, Kevin Owens. It allows the, the universal title picture to breathe. But what I loved about this, two things. Number one, Coming out of Sunday and into Monday, you can you can crap on Vince for his booking. You can crap on him for what happened on SmackDown, which we'll talk about later. He played the regular fan like a fiddle at SummerSlam and Monday night on Raw. The last four minutes of Raw were booked as perfectly as any match or situation like that has been in years. It was perfect because you had so many things that could have happened. You could have had a new champion. You could have... Uh, Roman retain and Braun become the new champion. The first one was Finn. And then all of a sudden you have the shield come back and it's one after another, after another. And I know you said it wasn't like the attitude era. Yeah, it was. Well, that is how Vince Russo booked. If it was the attitude era, well, by the well, way, well, we would have went home down on the Vince Russo yeah. line that I don't agree with, but I yeah. actually agree with everything else. You well, said, let me, let me just true or false on Adam real quick. If it was the attitude era, then Sunday night's main event would have been hot fire and Monday night's raw would have been hot fire. So, a big part of my overall argument. Gotta, well, hold on, hold on, hold on. Save this year. Save this year. This is coming up for our judgment later in the show. My top almost blew up there. Go ahead. Wow. Wow. Fire it up. But the whole point of, of what we just built there in that foundation is this is great moving forward. They're already past the point of shamelessness in terms of we're pushing Reigns babyface no matter what. So putting him in the shield really is the most genius move they can do to well, cover it up. Well, because it would have been up. a disaster, right? Like, BC, if it's let's, – let's just say, right, that it's a Roman Reigns-Kevin Owens feud, right, for the next two months. That's an unmitigated disaster because the fans are going to cheer for Kevin Owens and they're going to cheer – boo Roman Reigns. So it's actually – I think it's pretty brilliant what they did with the shield because you're ensuring Reigns is going to get cheered. It's not the same formulaic garbage that you've been getting where Reigns was main eventing a pay-per-view in a non-title match against Samoa Joe. You're not getting BS like that or Roman Reigns against Bobby Lashley. Like, it's they're, they're changing it up a little bit. And I actually think it's really smart, and I was into it on Monday. And by the way, we discussed this one year ago when we were all – Nick used to be full-time on the pod. but we, Before I became too big a star and I left you guys in the dust. Absolutely. Um, we are entering football season. And every football season, it's a lull. We hate the booking. We explain why because they're going up against college football and the NFL and Monday night football, and it's difficult. Well, guess what? They're giving us the shield in football season and we don't know what's going to happen monday let alone at the next pay-per-view let alone at the super showdown or whatever the hell that's called in australia let alone at survivor series in november which we expect to be raw versus smackdown anything is possible and when anything is possible that is when wrestling is at its best all right what does this say this decision by vince while it's still him sticking to his guns does this say i don't believe in roman separate and solo to carry this on his own of course not 
They just, put, they just gave him the university's main event at the last four WrestleMania. What, you, what kind of dumb question? What, well, what are you, I, I, stealing, stealing I'm going to no, guess that you're. I'm going to guess you're missing the meaning of my question. Then, if you're going to have that reaction, um, right, obviously, lay it on me. <laughs> he has the he has the belt on uh, a title, title. Jip, strap. He's got the strapation on Roman, so obviously he believes in him. I'm talking about putting Roman solo, having him go over Braun, Brock clean, and then just pushing him out there and saying. I hope we get cheers. We'll see what happens. This feels a little bit of a hedge by Vince. A smart hedge, but a little bit of a hedge. So the only one person should answer first, then, is the hedger <laughs> himself, the silver hedger. Well, let's not forget also that this was the attempt leading into WrestleMania that got cut short due to the mumps. And they inserted Kurt Angle into that terrible pay-per-view. So Vince had this plan, and we don't know how it would have transpired. Maybe it would have worked. Maybe if the Shield ended up staying together for three or four months like we expected back then, Roman would have gotten cheered at WrestleMania, and none of this afterward would have had to happen. But you know what? For all the pain and suffering that we've been put through, all right, and even waiting past WrestleMania to, to the, what would you call it, money in the sand yes. uh, in Saudi Arabia and into the— <laughs> that's, that's actually really good. Great, money. That's good. Uh, and into the last pay-per-view, what did we ultimately get? And we'll, I'll criticize you for this later. We got a hot-fire six-minute match at SummerSlam that may not have ended the way you wanted, but was hot, brought us into Raw— excited, wanting to know what was going to happen, what Roman Reigns was going to say, and they paid it off at the end by bringing back the shield that we wanted but didn't get to sink our teeth into a few months ago. And it all remains to be seen. Like, if if we're six months from now and it's still, like, like triple threat matches in the main event of a right. pay-per-view, I don't think that's going to be the case. So I don't think we can answer the question now. That being said, it is a dumb question. All right, well, then, then <laughs> how they make it right is to keep booking it strong, but a key part in how they make this right moving forward, in my mind, is who you pair Braun Strowman with because he's going to go. It's going to be the numbers game, one against three. And if he's not going to be pushed as the pure babyface, he's going to need help. And I'm sure all of you saw that tweet from Bray Wyatt where he dug up a tweet from what was it, 2014 or 2015? Yeah, 2014. And talked about it going up against the Shield. And suddenly your mind starts clicking and your mind starts going, well, Bray Wyatt's partner's hurt right now. Bray Wyatt and Strowman used to be in the Wyatt family together. Can we reform the Wyatt family and maybe add Bo somehow? And is this where we're going? Because you know what I do, I, I I'd put him with Ziggler and McIntyre. Ziggler and McIntyre are heels. Strowman's still a face. Strowman's the anti-hero. Strowman needs backup, and Strowman maybe promises after he wins the belt, cashes in, he'll give one of them a, a title opportunity. And maybe that's when you turn McIntyre face. Is McIntyre Ziggler? underhandedly takes the opportunity. McIntyre wants it. McIntyre turns face, but that's what I would do. I, I, I think there's so much potential with the Braun Strowman anti-hero character. Keep him in this tweener role where the fans are going to cheer him, but he's still a badass. And I would surround him with heels at this point and have that dynamic be really interesting. And I think Ziggler and McIntyre are the guys for the job. Let's not forget also that Rowan uh, on SmackDown tore his bicep. So now you have Luke Harper kind of solo. They could possibly bring him back. If they did want to go Wyatt family, they could bring them back over to Raw and get all three of them together. And I wouldn't be surprised if we see that in but, Australia. But, but it's not the Wyatt family because Strowman's the headliner. Well, maybe, like, maybe like, they call like, it something else. Like, it can't be the Wyatt. Like, like, Braun, like, if they come out, Braun Strowman, like, this is the problem with that. Then Bray's a secondary figure. And Bray is not a secondary figure. No, he's like, a leader. Like, You're right. If Bray comes out with Strowman, no one else wants to hear what freaking Bray Wyatt has to say when Braun Strowman's in the ring. Well, it, I think it, that's the issue with that. It has to be a heel turn, and it has to be the mind control that Bray used to employ by having all these gross thugs. I and and that, Bray, would be, that would be horrendous. Well, Bray could no, also no, do it where no. he could play more of a manager role, too, where he could be the mouthpiece putting Braun over. 
So that's possible too. Like, he doesn't need it though. Like Bron- Bron's no, he good does. enough on the mic. He well, doesn't. He does not need that. The, the reason Braun needs it is because, and I stand by this firmly, he's been made to look like a cartoon character. He, it's wrestling. No, no. But a, he was a super strong dude who was a badass who would ki- basically go to the edge of killing someone. Now he just anything he can find that's big, he tips over, and it's ridiculous. It, it's pro wrestling. I'm sorry. No. So bad. the idea of turning him heel though and doing what I said, and Nick, you said horrendous. I would agree if your stance against it is. You've worked this long to build him up to be a smiley baby face that got Nicholas over. You're going to blow it up out of nowhere by putting He's him back He's not a smiley baby face. He, he, he threw is. Kevin Owens off the hell of it. The guy's not a smiley baby face. Still more face. or less He's a smiley baby He's an anti-hero. By the way, do you see that picture of his, uh, that his girlfriend tweeted out on, or put out on oh, Instagram? my With the shirt yes. that oh, said, oh, I get Ron these Stroman's hands. girlfriend, yeah. With of the, what? She's wearing a shirt, like, you know, his uh, get these hands shirt? Okay. She's, I get these hands. I'm Googling this. Right Google now. it. It's great. Yeah. Okay. While you're Googling, I'm going to move on to the next part of the main event because we do have a lot to get to here. Uh, we had Ronda Rousey fresh off winning the Raw Women's Championship in a segment that, for me, and I'll just give the spoiler alert here, was a down moment for the show. Man, good for Braun Strowman. While, yeah, that's great. No, one, no, no wonder that stuff with Alexa Bliss works so well. Yeah. He likes blondes, clearly. He good clearly does. Good yeah, for him. They look similar to each other. Um. It bothered me. So you you have you know Stephanie presenting the title to her right at the right in the show, right in the middle of the show, and the entire women's division around the ring. And obviously it ends with Rousey playing the Steve Austin esque character, tapping out the authority in the middle of the ring. BC, are are you were, did you feel as down at that segment as me, or did you really like it just because Rousey? did pretty good on the mic and was able to sell some action as well. I was surprised that I liked it. And it wasn't that it, that the holes in theory and in booking were lost on me. And I say that because you have to ask yourself, why would the entire women's division be so like chummy with Rousey and get her Including back? Including Alexa. And, and look, it's a tight rope to walk when you're going to present Rousey as basically half Cena because she's standing up for everybody and half Austin because she's suddenly putting her boss in another arm bar. It was one of those where I had to sort of just di- suspend a little disbelief to enjoy it. And the reason why I wanted to enjoy it, the main reason, is because I love that Steph essentially took the, the, the public profile that people have of her negatively and the things that she takes all the credit for the women's evolution and all that, and they inserted that into the storyline. I thought that part was brilliant enough where I enjoyed it. Did I have the same questions of everybody going afterwards where you just put your boss in an arm bar for really no reason? Is there going to be payback? If this ends up becoming a poor man's Austin situation, she's got to face sanctioning for constantly putting her hands on her bosses. In this case, it was sort of, you know, unprovoked in a lot of ways. So, yes, I had some issues with that. I thought as a whole, though, especially with Steph's part that she played, that it was entertaining. And it just shows you Rousey's crazy over. It's like they can't. They may be messing up some of the psychology, but they're not messing up at getting her over every single time she's on the screen. She's great. That being, she's great. Stephanie's great. The segment was dumb. Like, I, why does she have to call all the women into the ring? It's like it's our moment. Actually, it's not. That is so forced and contrived. And that doesn't mean that Rhonda wasn't good on the mic. She was. And that Stephanie wasn't good. Stephanie's always good. It, the, 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 the idea itself was, was ludicrous and preposterous. Like, if, if you're like Alexa Bliss or, or who's a, a face, like Natalia, or, or yeah. you're a face woman on Monday Night Raw, Ronda Rousey calls you into the ring and says, this is for all of us. Who in the world believes that? It was so stupid. So, but, but, but. I am willing to give it the benefit of the doubt because we got the women's pay-per-view coming up. So let's see what the storylines are going into it. In a vacuum, though, as it's a one segment, did I like it or not like it? I thought it was pretty dumb. Yeah, both of your guys' takes are perfect. I'm not going to repeat that. But what I will say is it's almost like 
their booking of this was that the women's title wasn't legitimate until Ronda Rousey won it. Like it took the equivalent of Brock Lesnar to hold the title, even though great line from her, I'm not Brock Lesnar. I popped for that, you know. Um, but it, it, it took her winning it to make it real and on par with the men. You know when it was made on par with the men? When they pulled the diva's name out of it and reawarded Charlotte Flair the new title with all the gravitas at WrestleMania, right? That's when it became legitimate. And when she had that feud with Sasha Banks and it actually, we saw real wrestling on the WWE roster. Ronda beating Alexa Bliss with five arm drags and an arm bar doesn't make the women's title legitimate. Yes, it's better than Alexa Bliss having it. But like you guys said, there's no reason for like Bailey and Natalia, maybe Natalia, but Bailey and Sasha Banks and Ember Moon and all the other women to be there in the first place. And secondly, cheer and support her because they should be wanting to take it off of her. The men would never do that ever. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you're you're damn right. I mean, you know what Austin would say? DTA brother. Don't trust anybody. Right. Nice. we got some contemporary sound drops. These are good. Semi-contemporary. Yeah, contemporary right. from 1996. Yeah, let's, let's keep it rolling. <laughs> a, little, a little bit better than 1984, okay? All right, let's move on. Uh, Samoa Joe, we'll move on to SmackDown here. Samoa Joe obliterated AJ Styles, and I'm going to let UBC take us through that segment. That, to me, next to The Shield, was the second best thing we saw on TV this week in my Look, I, I thought SmackDown was absolutely fantastic. You know, Raw hit bigger notes. I thought SmackDown may have been an even better watch. And I agree. This segment was the crown jewel in that. Oh, my God. I mean, this made what happened on Sunday. And I said, you know, if any of those matches, there's way too many smashes on Sunday. But if one of them had to be a smash, it was the way that they handled it. And it was perfect. And they played that into Monday so perfectly. Look, you don't get the PG-13 heel moves anymore outside of maybe Randy Orton stretching out earlobes. And by the way, they did it again. And it worked again. The way that he showed up on AJ and brutally put him to sleep. I love when people get put to sleep. It's very MMA-esque. When Asuka put Bailey to sleep to win the NXT title, it made a statement. Austin going to sleep at 13. We all love that. This sort of had another one of those moments that you're starting to ask yourself, he's so over on being in AJ's head, on being an absolute dirtbag to his family. How can AJ counter this? Is it Like, it can't just be, oh, I'll win the next match or I'll beat him up at the next SmackDown. He's gone so, Samoa Joe's gone so high and above bringing in the wife and I'm the dad to your kids and all these awesome one-liners that. Hell in a Cell match is going to be sick. I can't wait. It's going to be brutal. And by the way, they were so damn stiff Sunday night. That was one of the big highlights of SummerSlam. This is going to be brutal. You nailed it, Nick. Uh, You know, okay. So I'll be honest. I did not love the booking of AJ Styles and Samoa Joe going into SummerSlam. Because I feel like after watching New Japan for so watching the G1, like these two guys are oh, so good. Oh, be careful, good. Nick. Be careful. You can't make G1 uh, comparisons to WWE product on this show. The people Stand will go by, nuts. No, oh, people. No, we're gonna you can when they're legitimate. We're gonna, we'll, we'll get to it momentarily. This here. is legitimate with, with AJ Styles and Samoa Joe, I feel like just roll the ball out, do a classic heel face story, and the matches are going to be great. You don't need anything more than that. So I'm being honest. I didn't like the build to SummerSlam. I thought their work was good. Like Samoa Joe is good on the mic, like with the, the fake letter from, from AJ Styles' wife. It was just unnecessary. I thought I didn't really like it. It didn't strike the right note with me. And then I'm watching SmackDown on Tuesday night. And AJ Styles cuts that promo. And Samoa Joe comes out of nowhere. And a very nice touch of you guys were watching with the volume loud enough is there were kids in the front row, right where this was happening. And you could hear the kids yelling, Samoa, Joe, leave him alone. Leave him alone as he's in the coquina clutch. So AJ cuts this awesome promo. Keep my family's name out of your mouth. Joe puts him to sleep, grabs the mic, 
takes the cameraman and pulls the cameraman close to him and AJ, scowls into the camera, and his first word is Wendy, AJ's wife, and proceeds to go through, daddy's coming home, the whole deal, drops the microphone on AJ, and I'm sitting there last night, because as I said, handsome Nick Costos arrives late to work because he's staying late at work last week. (laughs) It's about three in the morning on Wednesday morning, Tuesday night. I mark out on my couch, and I'm thinking, this was so freaking good. It's better now, this feud, than it was before SummerSlam, and I'm more excited for Hell in a Cell than I was for SummerSlam for this match, because this work has been so great, and this might be the best AJ Styles feud that he's had since he came back to WWE or came to WWE in the, in the first place. Wow, that's wow. something to think about. You know, the Shane one got business picked up, but yes, this is really strong. And BC, I've been saying it, you know, on this podcast for weeks, I want Samoa Joe as WWE champion. I think he's the best heel on the main roster. He definitely cuts the best heel promo on the main roster. And the way they continued the storyline from Sunday into Tuesday was perfect. And the fact that they used the mean gene position again, which we loved like a month ago when Renee Young did that interview, I forgot who it was with at the time, but that position of the stage allows so much more to happen. That's not just someone sneaking into the ring. You didn't expect to see Samoa Joe there because of where they were standing. You thought it would be a promo. They go to commercial, they move on. It was perfectly executed. Yeah. I thought if anything, Strowman was going to come out from underneath, but then I'm like, Oh wait, that that's raw. But that was, that's amazing. Love that. Love that. Love that. Okay, well, let's stay with SmackDown, and we'll talk about a heel turn that it's not going so great, at least in my opinion. Uh, you had Becky Lynch hit the ring and attempt to explain why she turned and beat the hell out of Charlotte Flair after Flair won the SmackDown Women's title at SummerSlam. And I would guess that we're all in agreement here, so I'm going to preface it saying this. Becky Lynch's promo was incredible. This is one of the worst booking decisions by Vince in a long time. What do you think? Wow, look at this. Look at Silver King trying to speak for all of us, but you know, I'm I'm wrong. I've got some bad news. Silver King already back to his old ways of crapping on things that are good. I love it. I love where this is going right now. Obviously, you noticed within the first two sentences, she's not great at trying to be this kind of heel. She's been a babyface for so long. I'm willing to give wrong. her some room to That's make. Great. I'm wrong. willing to give her some room wrong. to make this figure this out. This she was good. She, what she would. The promo was great. The heel promo was fantastic. No, I'm talking about the the first two sentences when you're trying to get, is she believable as a heel? Look, I'm giving her a major compliment here. I'm saying, if anything, the first two sentences, I'm like, ooh, is she going to pull this off? You know what? She pulled it off. And the pull-apart segment, which I think is overdone for men, we don't ever see it for women, really. I thought it was absolutely fantastic. No, I don't like Asuka's only screen time to be a jobber breaking people apart. No, but I love this. This was physical. There was some really good aggressive moments in there. I absolutely love where we're going because you know where we're going? A title feud with Charlotte and Becky. We haven't seen the four horsewomen in something that mattered like this really, what, since Charlotte and Sasha in 2016? This matters to me. This is great. And yes, they could have gone back to Charlotte as a heel and Becky as a face, but they would have been retelling a story they've basically already done. This is something new and fresh. I thought overall, Becky nailed it. A couple holes there, a couple of things that could have been better. I love it. I don't know where the negativity can come from here, Silver King. Well, I think the negativity comes from the fact that Becky shouldn't be a heel. Um, she Why should not? be the face, and Charlotte should be the heel. I but think we've it's a seen it. Story. We've seen it on SmackDown. We've seen it already. Brian, she's the top women's face on either brand, getting completely over. They well, maybe cheered not more than Ronda, but more but than yeah. Ronda. I can I contend more than Ronda. If Ronda faced Becky Lynch, the crowd would cheer for Ronda Rousey. I don't think they would. 
Maybe like smart fans might cheer for Becky Lynch, but the majority in Brooklyn, of the WWE in Brooklyn audience, they would cheer for Becky Lynch. Maybe in Brooklyn, in, in, yes. or in Cincinnati in, 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 they might in, cheer in for. In the Ronda. vast majority of towns they would cheer for Ronda. It would be Rousey. it would be close, but Brian, she's again. I'll say my contention: the top face woman on either brand, clearly the top face woman on SmackDown. The fans have no desire to boo her. They force fed the heel promo by cr- trying to crap on the fans for a nonsensical reason. It was awful well, booking. it wasn't nonsensical. I mean, it made sense. It was no, just, they it was cheer, just, it was like, just dumb plan. No, because she's like, you only cheer me, you know, in situations like this when you decide to. They cheer her every night. It's ridiculous. Go go ahead and... Um, I, listen, I just, I think she can make... Brian, the one thing I'll agree with you on, I think she can pull it off. I think she can make it work. And I think she will eventually get booed it might take a little bit, and the smart fans are always going to cheer for Becky Lynch. So at the big events, when we get the fly-in crowds, Becky's always going to be a face. But I think that she can get booed at the majority of towns in the United States. She continues oh, on yeah. this run because the promo is really good. But I have to agree with Silver King here. I think the thought process behind turning Becky heel is dumb. Well, here's, Look, here, well, here's the thing, though. What you're basically saying is Becky's better as a face because we've known her as a face for 98% of her time except for that short heel turn in NXT where – she was a different kind of heel. She was almost an ignorant heel that didn't know better, was learning from Sasha. But here's the thing. They're not going to push her as a babyface. They've established that. She's the Dolph Ziggler. And as Adam has taught us on the Sunday night show with WWE, you can't get what you want. So you got to just accept and make the best of what they give you. And in this case, I'll take her in a title feud as a heel if that's the only way I'm going to get her. And I'm going to get her against Charlotte. And I know the matches have potential to be great. I want to see what story they can tell me. So it's not a repeat of what we've already seen, which is Beck Balboa, Goody Two Shoes, going nowhere. At like Nakamura as a heel, I think she can go farther maybe than she ever could. Once again, Brian Campbell twisting my words and opinions, ridiculous. That's not what I said. That's not my contention. And I'm not saying she needs to be a white meat baby face either. Giving her a, an edge as a badass face would work totally fine. The point that I'm trying to make here is they sacrificed Daniel Bryan at the peak of his face dumb, okay, to push Roman Reigns. And it seems like they're doing something similar where it might backfire and almost ruin, it's not, the same not ruin long-term, but hurt Charlotte Flair, who they're trying to push as a face because they turned a face who's more over and more cheered than another face. They tried to turn her heel by turning against a less popular face. That's not how you do it. It's going to be very difficult for WWE to get Charlotte cheered in this feud with Becky Lynch. And it's a big mistake because they had an opportunity to not make her a white meat baby face, to give her an edge and push her as the top woman on SmackDown. I will say, I do enjoy the fact that... I do like the fact that Silver Kings work like some Donald Trump into his into his routine. Like you're twisting my words. Like what Brian says is fake news. I, I like. Well, Brian actually lies. I, I like. I, I mean, oh, wow. Well, I mean, people can go back and listen to Sunday. People can go back and listen to two hours on Sunday of Adam trying to tell you why you should accept what you're getting and not push no. for more. Not not lies misrepresents. I didn't mean to call you a lie. No, but I, no, but no. You know what? Stick with the lies. No, you know but no. I'm not, I don't do that. I don't. I don't do that. But that, that's unfair. It, BC does twist things I say, and listeners. Call him out on it because, listen, BC, you saw your mentions, okay? There were hundreds of people siding with the Silver King. Many of them didn't want to, but they knew they had to because they heard 91 minutes of audio of you being absolutely ridiculous. They know what I said on that that show. I didn't say— What did we see? All right, all right, all right. What did we see Monday and Tuesday night? What did we see Monday and Tuesday night? Point proven. Point proven. Here's the the thing. Handsome, well-dressed Nick is 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 blessed, graced, blazed, blazed you? Sure. 
blessed and graced you with his presence here. But his time is running short because he's got to go and carry the network on his back like he always does here. I can't sit here and talk for two hours with you guys here, Brian. I know you'd like that here because you need me on the podcast to make it better. Oh, but you. let me try and <laughs> it's, it's, it's the truth. I, I can bring out the text messages and show him if we want to. So let's get into it here so I can get the hell out of here and put the network on my back like I do every day. And let me judge this debate that you guys had on Sunday night. The audience demands it. Silver King, go ahead. You take the floor first. Your opening remarks. I mean, you're going to put me on trial. Is that where we're going here? Is that what's happening now? No, you're not going on trial. Both of you are going on trial. You can't handle the truth. It's no sense. It doesn't fit. If it doesn't fit, you must acquit. Son, my turn. Those are, those are perfect drops because we spent 91 minutes on Sunday night of me putting you in your place. And you oh, may want to, here we go. You, and you may, wait, you may want to relitigate this, but I don't actually need to because the fans heard what they heard. They sided with the Silver King. I have a double-sided paper here of Twitter comments that I could bury you with, but I don't want to re- <laughs> relive old Yeller and take you out the back. I got a lot of DM slides that, that, that proved that I knew what I was talking about in Monday oh, and I'm Tuesdays. sure the DM slides you got that I wasn't included on versus every tweet that both of us were included on that crapped all over you. Oh, sure. This guy's fired up. Uh, you saw... Go ahead, Silver King. You want the floor first? Go ahead. What's, what's, I'll, I'll just say no, this. I just, I, 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 Silver King used to be like horrendous on the mic. Silver King's gotten better. Silver King. Silver King pretty good on the mic now. That was, I Once like you that. started that telling people to shut the F up, this guy's been fired the heck up. Uh, you want me to pr- read my, my statement? I got a statement. I'm ready. I'm ready to. to I got a statement. I got okay. a statement. Read your prepared statement. All right. And don't forget here that you guys are trying to sway me here, okay? Because I'm the arbiter here, all right? All right. Well, See, you I'm, know, in the I, fans I, too. I believe in the fans. But I feel like I'm starting out 12th round. Like you, groggy, already been knocked down two times. I don't necessarily all right, all right. feel like well, I need yeah, to yeah, well, yeah, Guess what, Silver King? It's not that's not for you to decide. Go ahead, Brian. Yeah, I got a prepared statement here. And look, Monday and Tuesday night, it proved my point. Let's get to the deep of this. You may not have agreed with my means or my method on Sunday night, laying in a bed complaining about what I just saw at SummerSlam. But ask yourself honestly after watching Monday night and Tuesday night's booking whether deep down inside you didn't agree with my message overall. That in 2018, there's simply better wrestling out there in the world, including TakeOver on Saturday night. So why wouldn't we demand the best wrestling promotion in the world to raise their game on the night of the second biggest pay-per-view of the year and send us home viral and happy. This is the ITC, the In This Corner podcast. But Adam Silverstein wants you all to expect less and stop complaining and learn to love whatever it is that WWE gives you. He doesn't want you to get out of slavery. He wants you to be fine with the idea that it will never change. We'll never see a pay-per-views again. Not with this many hours of programming, so stop expecting it. Adam doesn't want this show, Nick, to be called the ITC. He wants it to be the L-Y-E, the lower your expectations pod. And if you read L-Y-E at face value, it spells lie. And that's what you all are doing to yourselves if you admit that you were completely happy with what we got at SummerSlam, the second biggest pay-per-view, and you shouldn't be expecting more. On Sunday night, August 19th, I broke up with the WWE's main roster booking while laying in a bed in Brooklyn. I had the guts to take a stand for the time that I put in and the results that I have been getting. And like anyone who was told they weren't good enough following a breakup, you know what WWE did next? They hit the gym. They started eating better. They took a deep look inside themselves and said, what isn't working here? 
How are we under-delivering? And on Monday and Tuesday night, what did we get? Nick, we got the Shield reunion. We got a new, the New Day winning a title match. We got English, Aiden English getting his redemption. Brie Bella's return. Jeff Hardy's comeuppance, just to name a few. The kind of fireworks and big swerves, right, that we deserved on Sunday night that I was complaining we didn't get, which if you're keeping score at home, ultimately proves my point to be right. That Sunday didn't deliver an acceptable thrill for what's expected for the second biggest card of the year. You want to call me a heel for what I said in that Brooklyn hotel? At 1 a.m., that's fine. But make sure you think about what really took place. BC didn't turn heel on you. The ITC audience. WWE did. Vince McMahon did. And in his own way, Adam Silverstein did by not demanding more. Like Eddie Vedder once said, WWE's main roster's booking has changed by not changing at all. And in 2018, with the climate around us in NXT and NJPW, that's just unacceptable. You see, folks, you're the customer, not the slave. Beggars can be choosers. You want to support the guy who told you to simply accept your fate, or do you want to get behind the guy who told you how to change it, how to accept more, how to ask for it, and ultimately on Monday and Tuesday night, how to receive it. The Silver King is the guy who finds reasons to complain when things are really good and yet oddly argues in favor of complacency when they're lukewarm. Yet you guys are out there tweeting and DMing me that Brian screwed Brian. Let me tell you something right now. Brian didn't screw Brian. Brian took a damn stand. And if I don't stand up for my own ITC audience, it appears by looking around at the other two sitting at that table right now for this podcast, no one else will. This ain't well, sour words. words in my mouth now. This ain't revisionist history. No, no, I'm serious about this. This is a revolution and the third boom period of my 33 years as a wrestling fan. And BC is going to stand out here in the pouring rain with the stereo raised above my head, blasting Peter Gabriel's in your eyes like a prime John Cusack until we get the wrestling that we deserve for the time we put in. In closing, guys, because I know I'm I'm going too long on my own podcast. Yeah, yeah, let's go Abraham Lincoln. I would never be arrogant enough to suggest WWE listens to this podcast and reacts to my complaints. They do. There's a lot of podcasters out there who actually believe that. I'm not one of them. But I do believe if there's unspoken truth that needs to be shared and you have the guts to put it out in the universe on a show like this on CBS, change is inevitable. Sometimes it takes years. Sometimes it can happen (sighs) in one day. On Sunday night, BC spoke the kind of truth that most of you, it seems, weren't ready to hear. Yet one thing you can't deny is that on Monday and Tuesday, we were all rewarded for it. For the last 16 months on this show, I faithfully said every week that if you see something, say something. That's exactly what I did. King Adam, all he wants for you is a world of $20 stakes and one promotion all right, all providing right, us all, all right. with you all the sports on, entertainment we want. On, the only revolution on, hold, he hold wants is complacency. Here. That sounds to me yes. like a king who's too content with silver when we know, fans, you deserve gold. This ain't a heel turn. This ain't a heel turn. This is a hero turn. And one day when competition rises and the cry out from the fan base for more is finally heard, WWE proper will rise to the level we deserve. And on that day, you will thank me. Quote the Campbell. Nevermore. Okay, that was a that was a fantastic rant. Um, so we got to give him credit. The LYE stuff was was awesome. Love that from Brian Campbell. All right, Silver King. I don't want you to disagree with anything or or agree with anything you said. Did he represent the point that he made on Sunday well, in your opinion, or was that a misrepresentation? Of course he didn't. It's a misrepresentation. Can you believe? 
that a guy who criticizes WWE for its booking thought the only way— We're 30 seconds here for the response. Thought the only way he could get over was by scripting a promo like WWE does? Are you freaking kidding me, dude? I don't need to script a promo for you because WWE— gave it to us Sunday night, the fans enjoyed it to some extent, and there's 91 minutes of audio of you burying yourself into a ditch, thinking that you can get out of it with a scripted promo trying to misrepresent what I feel about wrestling. Please. Okay. So Monday, so, so, so Adam, on, Monday on, and Tuesday didn't take it to a new level? Ryan Campbell, respond. All right. You know what the pay-per-view should have been? Well, everything that happened on Sunday, Monday, and Tuesday, but I had the guts to stand up Sunday night and say, yeah, pretty good show, not good enough. They're booking for the future. They're giving us smash finishes. They're not giving us the big moments that SummerSlam provides you every single year. You know what that pay-per-view was? Three nights worth in about, what, nine hours worth because they stretched pay-per-view reveals off to Tuesday night. I was proven right by what happened on Monday and Tuesday night. Those things should have happened on Sunday. You all saw it. I'm not the bad guy here. I'm just the one willing to stand up and share it with you. You know what? He's, he's, he's right. No, he's not hold, right. Let, hold on. Because I'm going to render my judgment right now. How can you render your judgment he's, when this guy gets 10 minutes to talk? I get 30 seconds. He, he, he scripted a promo. I had to, we had to get to the end of it. You made your point. Yeah, already. he scripted a promo. You're, you're coming here as an unbiased judge. You're, you're, you're more corrupt you're, than the you're, Russian you're, judge. Your points are made, and you're going to like what I have to say, so sure. shut the hell up, Silver King, and let the master speak, okay? He's right. He's not the bad guy. He is not a bad guy, Brian Campbell. His intentions are good, but here's the problem. His intentions might be good, but his intentions are dumb because you know what you what? can do brian campbell you can sit out there in the rain with the stereo over your head blessed in <laughs> your eyes by peter gabriel but guess what the woman in the house is never taking you back she doesn't give a damn about you and guess what buddy nobody does because you know what you are you're the guy that goes to mcdonald's and says why am why am i not getting peter lugers instead of this big mac you're you, what you're asking for is ridiculous you're asking for wwe to give you nxt programming to give you new japan programming and guess what buddy it's never going to happen i'm asking so them to compete to them you can scream into the heavens and you can say oh i'm the good guy and i'm standing up for the audience and i'm trying to do what's right it's not going to work you're the knight from monty python they cut off your arm and you're still going they cut off your leg you're hopping around on one leg then they cut your other leg off and you're a one-armed man screaming into nothing into the blackness into the dark of night that you want wwe to be better when it's never going to be better and i tweeted on sunday night handsome and well-dressed nick said it it's the best time to be a wrestling fan since the monday night wars you've got new japan you've got the all-in you've got NXT, you've got WWE. There's something for everybody. So instead of complaining, and Silver King, this goes for you too, since you can never stop complaining either about anything. Can we stop complaining about everything and just enjoy professional wrestling for what it is? You know what you sound like, Brian Campbell? You sound like a teenager who's upset because his crush didn't check his oh, Instagram story for the next two or three <laughs> days. And then WWE actually looked at your story on Monday night. Or they were working you. And they were working me and they were working the silver king and they were working the loyal listeners of the itc that's what happened and you're too blind to realize it because of your hero complex you're not a bad guy your intentions are good but you fancy yourself to be this white knight riding it on the white horse to save the day and quite frankly it makes me sick yes they deserve to die and i hope they burn in hell so wait, so like, oh, can you breathe under that dirt that just got piled on? Real you funny, not? but who'd you pick, Adam or myself? Because it sounded like you were taking shots at him too, Nick. 
well, he's always going to take shots. I, at men. I, I will slightly, 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 slightly rule in favor of the Silver King, dude. That's so ridiculous, Brian. Here's the thing: you're, you're. I can't expect it, WWE it to put Brian. an A pay per view out there for SummerSlam. I can't expect that. No one, no, no one ever can't. said you can't expect that. No, he can't. Just I'm, going, ta- I'm, I'm saying he can't. It's just going to happen very rarely. The 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 opinions that you provided at the start of the show on Sunday weren't wrong. When we ended up grading the show, you gave it a C plus. I gave it a B minus. We're very close together. But the attitude that you brought through the entire program, 91 minutes, BC, I'm not joking. I actually printed out a double-sided paper. Okay, also, 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 who, who, also, also, who cares? Like, God bless the listeners. Who cares? Like, you put so much no. stock, Silver King. My like, point. You, uh, you got to tweet so it, so it verifies no, everything. My point, BS. My point is... It's not like it's just me that disagrees with you, BC. It was almost unanimous. Who it's cares? To the point, Who cares? It's to the point that you just— That doesn't make You put yourself wrong. in such a position that you couldn't enjoy anything that happened on the show because the mindset you had is, this isn't as good as it could be. Well, with WWE, it generally isn't, but occasionally it is. And if you don't think that they booked Sunday with Monday and Tuesday in mind, and you think Monday and Tuesday booking was a reaction to Sunday or anything you said on the show— you're out of your mind. So you don't you don't want one pay per view. You want it to go three days, and we have to take the whole thing as a whole and grade it. Do you Sunday, like the Monday after Raw? Do you love the Monday after Raw? Yeah, when they yeah, give us big reveals on oh, sorry, on sorry, Sundays. Yeah, that's what I meant. When they give us big reveals on Sundays, and then Monday you go in a new direction. Would, so, would so it Silver, have, Silver would, King? Tell Brian Campbell his promo was really good because it was. It was really and good. No, you you kind of crapped on it, and it was awesome. Well, I crapped on it because it was scripted, and the guy's railing against WWE scripted nature. So it's. Kind of ridiculous that you actually did that. Uh, and that, I, hey. I'm not saying this. Th- well, no, no, no. Brian Campbell's mic skills are tremendous. Of course. So, no, but no, because it sounds like that's not what no, you're but, saying. Right, Brian's, Brian Campbell's mic skills crap all over mine. There's a reason his name is on the marquee. The problem is, if you're going to have this attitude every time we watch WWE, it may not be on there for long. Well, I got a lot of people DMing me saying, I'm bringing down the value for NJPW and NXT because I'm complaining so much about WWE that people don't want to follow me in the revolution because I'm compl- – no, I'm trying to raise – I'm that trying to rise right. all the tides, bring them all up. And, Nick, I got a little bit of a problem that you come on here. You're actually a guy who can – I can hear Jimmy. You get it. You get Japan. You get what's going on, and you're going to sit here and listen to me say that and side with him? Well, it's, no, but it's just – it's – okay. You're, you're the premise behind what you're saying Correct. is 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 fair, but like I'm just saying this, it's never going to happen. You can scream out as much as you want. Why can't it be as good as NXT? Why can't it be as good as New Japan? It's never going to happen. It's a different product. They're 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 doing it for a different result. They've already got their money. They don't care. So what I'm saying is, you can get your stake with New Japan. You can get your whatever that uh, your, your your delicious pasta dish, whatever the hell it is. Is my mic skills take a tumble here <laughs> with NXT? But when you want some McDonald's, you turn on WWE. But it's not even McDonald's. Just lower your expectations. Just it's fine. NXT. Just... No, that's not what it is. NXT can give you the hundred and twenty-five dollar steak you want, but WWE can give you a thirty-five dollar burger, and that doesn't make that burger bad. It just means that there's certain times where you want to sit in a really nice steakhouse. And enjoy that type of meal that an adult would enjoy. But there's many times where you want to have a nice craft beer and enjoy a really, really damn good burger. And also, and that's what WWE and, can and, be. And ultimately, here's the reason why I side with the Silver King. Slightly side with the Silver King. I didn't think SummerSlam was that bad. Dude, like, and are I, you and serious? I, and, I, and, yeah, and, I like, yeah, and I like the main event. Like, I, I didn't think it was that bad. I I mean, I am, 
Brian liked the main event. He liked 6.05 out of the 6.10 that it ran it was bad as booking. he said on the show. But you know what, Nick? I can expect that from Adam in a lot of ways. Oddly, that he'll complain when it's really good and then support it to the death when it's bad. But I, I'm not supporting I wish it to the deep death. In my I'm heart, just disagreeing with you. Nick, right, I, so wish, I, I wish yeah, deep in I, my I heart. I got better things to do. Yeah, here, but so. I wish I thought, I thought you were better than this, Nick. I, I could have and should have expected more. But the listeners know. What what were you expecting, buddy, that since you and I have a personal relationship that I was going to come on here and support the crap that you No, I just think you'd support truth. And and if you want truth, the truth is once CBS Sports HQ kicked into high gear and you thought your train ticket to stardom was stamped, you're out of here. Like it doesn't matter. Like like a late model Terry Balea, you're only coming back for the money. Ha ha, a big joke. But if you're going to come back in here for the money – like, at least listen to the points. At least understand. You get Japan. You get NXT. Don't try to sit here and say SummerSlam was pretty good. Don't try to sit here and brag about are, your fair are, are you shoes. Sa- are you saying that 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 I, like, that I, I just want to be clear on this because we joke about You're this. You're calling him disingenuous. No, no, hold on. Hold on. No, I, no, I want to I be clear on this, and this is, this is not worked here. Are you saying here, like, and we joke about it, that because the network launched, and because I've got that, I don't care about the show and I don't care about you guys. And I don't like I want is that is that what you're saying here? Well, it's great that you can deliver a big promo and you come back last week and you come and take the take the third chair right away from the fans or, or the soundboard, because that's essentially who's taking your role. You want to force back in. You want the show to be all about you. And then you want to render your judgment. Oh, I like BC's points. He's a great speaker. But I'm going to side with Adam here for absolutely no reason. It's like, or, or I gave the reasons why. And you know why I take this chair when I want to take this chair? Because I'm the best damn thing that this show has right, got. Right, and right. you tell, know it. Tell us about your shoes. Tell us about your white swipe, right swipes. But, Nick, don't think for a second I don't see the irony in all this. And we can joke about this or we can get serious if you really want me to. But when, I want you to get serious. All right. When you walked out on the In This Corner podcast and not walking out on me, because guess what? I'm already a brand. I'm established. But walked out on all these listeners. You know what you thought you were? Heartbreak Kid, Shawn Michaels. CBS Sports HQ is your sensational Sherry. Big deal. He's a big deal, guys. Let's, let's look at his shoes. Hey, follow me on Instagram here. Swipe me, right? No, swipe me left. Because come to find out after all these months later, there's nothing sensational about you, Nick. Because the ITC... Or- or, or I came on and I cut the most sensational promo in the history of the show. Last well, you week. tell me, listeners. Sounds to me like the ITC's carried on without you. Gotten better. I, 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 I doubled said last the week audience. The ITC is a five-star product with or without me. You know what else I said? It's six or seven stars with me. I got look, Brian. I love you, buddy. We'll talk about this off air, and I'll be back on the podcast at some point, or maybe I won't. We'll talk about it here. But I do have to go because I have a network to carry. So I do there appreciate we go. it. There we go. King, He's got to go. To, so look at the heartbreak kid, Nick Costos. He's going to find enough time in his busy schedule. But when it gets hot, he's got to walk out. But it's about time, Nick, as you leave, that someone told you what you can do with that boyhood dream of yours. Because here's the facts. You're not Shawn Michaels. Last time I checked, your name wasn't on the marquee. This show or CBS Sports. You're the Marty Jannetty of this show, bro. Think it's time you take your $5,000 suit, find a barbershop window, and get the hell off my podcast. Take the L and admit you were wrong. Hey, you know what, buddy? If that's how you feel, you think I'm Marty Jannetty. Guess what, buddy? The whole world knows I'm Shawn Michaels. The listeners know who the star of this podcast is. And the listeners know that when I'm not here, their experience is worse for it. And I got to tell you, it ain't just you guys that I'm blessing with my presence. Anyone listening to this podcast as well, I'm blessing you with my presence. And you are lucky to have me. And you should be tweeting me. Handsome and well-dressed Nick, thank you so much for coming on the show. So you know what? 
I don't need to be on this podcast anymore if you think I'm Marty Jannetty, because I am Shawn Michaels. I'm the Heartbreak Kid. And when you feel like you want HBK back on the podcast, you know where to find me. And you know get what? Out, unlike get you out. on Sunday night, you know what? Unlike you on Sunday night, I haven't lost my smile. Because yeah, I know sure, how damn you're 99, good I am. Shawn my Michaels. Still here. Good. Enjoy you're 2000, Shawn Michaels, Enjoy. sitting, sitting on a bed in Texas. Podcast. That's where you are. Oh, here's the deal. Shut up. Here's the deal. Win, lose, or draw, right. I will always be on your ass. Did he leave? Did he really leave? Uh, he's out. Yeah. There's the door. Whatever. All right, Adam. We're, we regrouped. We're, we're back. The, the main event is behind us, but um, we might as well get to these interviews. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I put it behind me uh, Sunday. But, yes, let's, uh, let's discuss these interviews. You had three this week. Really, really good well, interviews. Just one thing. Um, Nick, Nick is one man. We'll let the people at Twitter DM. You can print them all out. We'll let the people decide. We'll, we'll move forward. We'll let the people decide. <laughs> Again, they decided Sunday night, but let's, let's move on. Um, actually, Monday morning, I should say. We have three interviews that, honestly, I told you this separately on text, they're stellar, okay? And The Miz, Finn Balor, and Elias coming up. We're going to have another almost dozen interviews for you next week in a very special episode of the ITC. Brian and I will discuss them in between each one. It's going to be great. But before we get to these interviews, we did gloss over one major happening on Tuesday Night SmackDown, and that actually leads into our first interview here, which is fantastic. Um, the latest chapter, I guess, in this saga of Daniel Bryan and The Miz. And I'm really curious, and let's be brief on this, but do you think going the mixed tag route is the right move to continue this rivalry? If you would have told me in advance what it would be, I would have told you 100% no. I don't know why this works, and I like it, and... Is it reactionary? Because I think, and Justin Barasa was the first one I read on Sports Illustrated who wrote this, but it made a lot of sense in line with what I was feeling coming out of that Sunday night match. They don't have a lot of great in-ring chemistry, and it was surprising. We hadn't seen them wrestle in a long time. It was the match we wanted to see, and maybe that was part of my disappointment that I didn't properly put into words on Sunday night. But it, they, and it's not... Like, okay, we know Miz isn't the greatest wrestler, and that's why. I just feel like they didn't have the right chemistry in the ring. So you want to go the, the bring in the wives? I think it can get very interesting because what makes this feud great is the work they do on the mic and how different they are as personalities. I think adding their wives, and, and look, I've normally never popped for, for Brie Adam. Never. I mean, like, I just, like, uh, Nikki's a much better performer in my eyes. And when Brie came out, I was surprised. I popped for it. And then the punch completely took me off guard. They won me over with this that I actually think it's the right deal moving forward because we don't want to get worn out on Miz and Brian. We want this to go to Mania. Maybe this is a bridge that sort of pauses it for a while so we can get there. That's how I feel. Tuesday night, I actually went out for beers after work yesterday, and I came back home. Uh, Jack was unable to do our SmackDown recap. Jack Jorgensen, he's one of our editors here. So I had to do it, and I wasn't in the best mood. And I actually gave this a D uh, you know, for a grade in our recap. But I did watch it again this morning, and I actually disagree with my take there for the reason that you said. Brie Bella's punch. It just changed the dynamic. Like, I don't remember Nikki doing that to Miz, and maybe she did, but I don't remember that. It felt organic and real, even though obviously it's not. And even though I have a gut feeling that this is being taped simultaneously for Total Bellas and Miz and, Miz and Mrs., which is fine because I do watch both shows, and I actually enjoy both. But even though I get that feeling, I am okay with it for the reason you said, because it's clear that that was just chapter one of this match and we don't know if it's going to be a trilogy or four or however long they're going to go. But it worked for me. 
And it said to me that, yes, their chemistry wasn't right, which is very strange, by the way, because even though they hadn't fought on TV in a long time and Miz hasn't had a lot of matches recently, they've been running this match at house shows, like consistently, maybe not 25 minutes or however long it went, but they've been fighting each other a lot. So you would think it would be a lot more smooth. I don't know what it was. It didn't feel right. I agreed with you. You were clear about that Sunday and you were right. But it was good enough to get me to this point. And this point is going to be good enough to continue their rivalry, even if we take a couple months off. And I think that, you know, it might feel like a retread of what we just saw at WrestleMania, what, two years ago with with the two couples. But look, Bree's a much different personality than Nikki and Cena, obviously. So I think this could be something entirely new and fresh. And, and I'm looking forward to it. Was there any other I, major moments we got to hit from Raw and SmackDown? There's, there's a couple other things I just put, you know, little notes on. They did the SmackDown tag team title change on SmackDown which we've come to learn Rowan has a torn bicep, so they had to get the titles off Bludgeon Brothers. But I think you and I agree that, just like we said Sunday, and this is one of the things we totally agreed on, why do that finish at the pay-per-view? Just make the title change. Or if you're going to have a DQ and you're going to do a no DQ match on Tuesday, make the DQ good. You know, don't make it like a mallet to the like a back of a mallet to a face, right? Yeah, that ha- that happened. Um, did you did you like that match? I thought it was I cool. I love that match. Look, I I think the the Biggie injury not being a part of it, although he did come in and celebrate at the end. Even if it's not where they're going, it teases me to think that maybe they're pushing Kofi and Woods together for a while as the go-to team to prepare you for when Biggie goes solo. I hope that's where they're going because, look, that what makes the New Day great is their comedy, their timing, their cohesiveness, but they're interchangeable. And it's always been great that you can have a – it's like ice hockey on Nintendo. You can have the, the little guy, the fat guy, the, the skinny guy. You can do – you know, mid guy. You can do whatever combination right. you want. I like this combination of Xavier and Kofi. And man, they made me pop for that. They, the baby face in me came out. They made me pop for the way that that win happened. That was a pay-per-view match on a Tuesday night. That match at SummerSlam would have killed. Yep. Adam, you know that the Shield thing would have killed. And that was sort of... But, sort the, of... but the, Summer, the SummerSlam match was good also until the finish. True. The elbow drop off the top rope outside. So it's just the finishes that we're really talking about here. And you couldn't have had that moment with the Shield. I mean, yes, they... They could have done it that way, but then Brock doesn't get – they needed a way to get, for Brock to get distracted. And maybe they could have done the Shield that night, but it was so much more effective Monday night. Let, let's not get off topic here, but I, I, do, I am with you, though. I wish the change happened at the pay-per-view on that one for sure. Um, we also had Constable Corbin getting named the interim GM of Raw with Kurt Angle, it seems like, taking some time off, which I don't really hate because I think we both agree, right, that Constable Corbin's been doing a fine job in a role that – Many people would fail at, I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's fine. I think he's better than than what Paige is doing. I know a lot of people like Paige in that role, and I'm certainly happy that Paige has that role. I'm not liking her so much in that role. Somehow, Constable Corbin is working perfectly in this sort of jerk role, but that's sort of the difference between heel authority members on Raw and babyface authority members on SmackDown. Agreed. And we also had uh, Triple H cutting a promo, uh, basically telling The Undertaker that the, the Super Showdown will be his last showdown i mean come on you're the biggest piece of trash i've ever met in my life you can guess who i'm throwing that at am i throwing that at take or trip no look it was like trips delivered a good good promo when he does come back he delivers the promo made no sense he laid out why he told vince no but never really told you why he changed his mind and then said yes and guys a we don't need this b we don't want this c Taker just came back for the same situation at the Greatest Royal Rumble and the same situation with Cena 
at WrestleMania, you're obviously doing a money grab, which the, which tells me, Adam, don't promote it. Like promote it in in passing. Don't promote it in segments because you're. Well, you're... yeah, they, they didn't promote Cena Triple H for uh, you know Money in the Sand. They I was talking about uh, Rusev uh, Undertaker. It's like he's already been back, so don't try to do this thing. Right. Where, well, where... that's the thing. Like Triple H is like, yeah, it really is taking something special for me to put on my tights again, dude. You wrestled four months ago, and then three weeks after that. What are you talking it's, about? It, the whole thing's so, so ridiculous. It really made and what looks... was And what was crazy is he was over as hell with that Brooklyn crowd because he started off a little bit about the women, a little bit about NXT, and they were eating out of the palm of his hands. And I was like, what is he about to say? Even though I knew this match was being promoted, I was like, maybe he's going to introduce the women's tag team titles without Steph. That's awesome. Maybe there's going to be some NXT announcement. That'd be cool. Like NXT on FS1. Like, who knows? No, the Super Showdown will be your last showdown. I've, I've been prompting you with that so you can do the undertaker last ride i don't even want to hit it anymore i i want so far away from the brothers of destruction guys we had a great run in the 90s 2000s were pretty damn great it's this decade couple good moments it's so damn over it makes me violently ill let's move on yeah the only other thing i had was um this isn't even like a single topic but a lot of even steven booking on smackdown coming out of SummerSlam. you had hardy like getting a moment back you know, hitting the swanton off the table. Oh, yeah. Onto, onto that moment could happen at the pay-per-view, by the way. But Orton didn't interfere in the match, so it wouldn't have happened before. <sighs> it just, that, Party lost clean to Nakamura, by Nakamura the way. Nakamura could have won. Underrated on that show. Went back to the locker room, and then you could have had... I'm just saying, there were these are great moments that I think would have enhanced the pay-per-view. I'm done with that topic. We're moving on. we got to close with the 205 Live main event, that tag team. Everyone was hitting me up. I had to see it. You watched it. I watched it. It was the... What do they call the guys in the mess? What their name? Uh, Lucha House Lucha Party. Lucha House Party. It, I, I messaged you halfway into the match holy crap this is a great match and then there were like nine more minutes left and then i messaged you again oh my god it's even better than i said it was at that time it was great everyone check that out it's uh lince dorado and grand metalik against my guy buddy murphy and tony niece and by the way i saw buddy murphy in person at the hotel in brooklyn he was wearing a tight t-shirt this guy is absurdly ripped. I know we already know that from TV, but sometimes guys look smaller or bigger when you see him in person. This guy looks three times bigger in person. Make this guy a star. It's spot after spot, which it's not like we don't see that already in 205, but Adam, this had an extra car wreck feeling. It was like so out of control that I thought at times it was too out of control, but then they pulled it back on the tracks. And when Grand Metalik lost his mask doing the hurricane round off the top rope, I popped massively. What a freaking match. Those two, like Kalisto's good. Those two are so much better than Kalisto. And 205 Live, man, it's really good. And it, what was also cool, the last, the last thing I'll say on it, you usually don't get a 205 Live in front of a crowd that will appreciate it. That was the Brooklyn crowd. Yes. That crowd added so much to the match. It told you that what was happening in the ring was good. And that's one reason why 205 Live has really not struggled as much recently because it's been awesome, but it took a long time to get going because the crowds don't care, especially after a SmackDown. Anyway, we just went through the week that was. I buried BC again for the second time in a couple days earlier in the show. Well, we'll, let the the fans decide. we'll let the fans decide that. The I fans mean. decided already. I think actually uh, but, WWE's booking decided that on Monday and Tuesday no. who won that one. I mean, fans decided Monday wins. morning who won. Regardless of that, though, you – Sunday may have been rough for you, but Thursday and Friday in Brooklyn were not. You put together a trio of fantastic interviews and – BC, I think we should start with The Miz. Yeah, it's a good transition out of the stuff we talked about with DB and The Miz. Let's get into it. Friday morning, Brooklyn caught up with him. Enjoy. 
All right, hey, this guy is awesome. He came to play. He's the star of Ms. and Mrs. Obviously, congratulations on already getting a second season. That's Thank real. You. That's not kayfabe, brother. No, it's uh, it's one of those situations where I think that USA Network realized the hit they have on their hands, and uh, the ratings tell it all. I mean, it's one of the it's the biggest show that that USA has had in the past, what, six or seven years, which is absolutely incredible. And uh, my wife and I have had so much fun making it. And uh, it's something we're proud of. You know, it's one of those things when, when we were told we were, uh, we were asked to do uh, Ms. and Mrs., we were like, listen, if we can have control of that show and we can do what we want, then we'll do it. And it's been that way the entire time. You know, we set out to do a sitcom, set out to do something like Kirby Enthusiasm meets The Office meets Modern Family. Meets the Kardashians. Meets the Kardashians, exactly. Like, sure. But we, we, we set the drama out. We didn't want this to be drama. And the drama is comedic. And so the way we looked at it is there's so much drama going on in the world today. Uh, why don't we just have people sit down, step out of their reality, enter ours, and just laugh? Who's most likely to let the newfound celebrity go to their head and maybe pull them off the rails in real life? George Mizanin or Monroe Sky? George Mizanin. It's already happened. Like my dad, and it's not Mizanin. I am a Mizanin. My dad's the only Mizanin. I don't know why. He's the only one that pronounces it that way. But yes, my dad called me uh, after uh, last Tuesday's show and was like, yeah, saw the show. Um, So when are we shooting the next episode? I go, well, well, who says you're in it? He said, well, of course I'm in it. I'm the star of the show. I'm like, okay, Dad, here we go. I'm, I'm, Maurice and I are debating who's going to get the first spinoff, Marjo or my dad. Marjo is on fire right now, she but is. we got to get some wrestling talking. I'm going to make a statement. Tell me if I'm crazy here, Mike, the, the my Zanin. Well, I said that wrong. This match against Daniel Bryan at SummerSlam will be the biggest match of your career since WrestleMania 27, main eventing the damn dome. Speak it. No, no. That, that's not the biggest match. It's Daniel Bryan's biggest match of his career, absolutely. Me, this is more of a, a stepping stone to get to the WWE Championship, to take that WWE Championship and take it to the main event of WrestleMania. So uh, having a match with Daniel Bryan, this is a prove-it match. Like he's, His entire return has been in a complete bust. And if he beats me, then that proves that, listen, it hasn't been a bust. But if he doesn't beat me, then his career's done, in my opinion. Is it not? It's, just, it's a good argument, all right? Maybe, I, maybe know, he won't resign if he loses. Well, hopefully he doesn't. Hopefully he goes to the armories and the, and the bingo halls because that's where he needs to kind of, that's where he honed his craft. And or where the Tokyo he, where Dome. He became famous. Or the Tokyo Dome, Mike. Sure, go to Tokyo then. Uh, he's all out. This guy's all out. All right, Mike, your talking smack moment with him 2016, Connecticut. Maybe it's the greatest on-camera moment in modern-day WWE. I know everything's got to be the greatest. We've got to compare everything. That's pretty damn ridiculous. I know we've no, talked in the not. past. Is it that anything I do is the greatest or the best or the most must-see? Why do you think I say I'm the most must-see WWE superstar? Because when I do things, people talk. People listen. They give me a show at Miz and Mrs. I create ratings. They give me the Intercontinental Championship. I create it to be relevant and prestigious and make it the most prestigious. I mean, look where it's at right now. I have elevated that title to where everyone wants to keep it, everyone wants to have it. Now, now, I, now Daniel Bryan comes back, he makes me, he tells the general manager, Paige, to make me come to another show. Nobody realizes what a life changer that is whenever you move to another show, but yeah, it's pretty big in my, in my realm. So then when I come to SmackDown, Daniel Bryan doesn't say a word to me for like four months. 
and finally now it's all coming to fruition at SummerSlam and hopefully and it'll be the match that everybody wants and deserves and I plan on doing exactly what I set out to do which is basically get Daniel Bryan off my back so I can go into the WWE championship realm. Uh, is he more dead to you than LeBron James leaving your Cavaliers? You know, I'm not mad at LeBron James, to be honest. I was mad before when he left, took his talents to South Beach. But now he, did, he set out to do exactly what he said he was going to do. He said he was going to bring a championship to Cleveland. He brought a championship to Cleveland. How can you be mad at that? He's brought us to finals more times than I can count. And if he want, he can go wherever the hell he wants to go. Am I upset that, that, that he left? In my heart, I want the Cavs to basically always be in the finals. But someone else has got to step up, and hopefully that's Sexton. Wow, this is a guy who once beat John Cena at WrestleMania. Had The Rock try to get in the middle of that, though? Tried to steal my spotlight. You can't steal a Miz's spotlight. My, my, light, my star shines brighter than the brightest star. Do you think Dwayne Johnson's a little nervous knowing your success with the Marine franchise, that you're coming for him in the theaters? I, I think The Rock is okay. I think he's doing very fine. You know, between the success of all his movies, whether it's Skyscraper, Rampage, um, you know, everyone wants to see what The Rock is going to do next. The Rock is electrifying. My dad's favorite WWE superstar is The Rock, not his son, The Miz. Uh, but uh, as far as the Marine is concerned, the Marine 6 comes out this fall with Shawn Michaels, myself, and Becky Lynch. And I think it's going to be uh, a very, very good movie. It's directed by the same director that did Marine 5, James Nunn, who did a terrific job on that. So I'm really excited about it. I can't wait for the red carpet premiere. I know. Mike, do you celebrate? I don't know if they'll have a red carpet premiere. I don't want to ask you too personal of a question here, but do you celebrate Rusev Day? I think everyone celebrates Rusev Day in their own specific way. All right. Hey, great talking to the Miz, my man. Always. I had a, more questions about it's whether been an honor. Yeah, and but thank it, you know. so much for making such an amazing backdrop for this whole thing. I'm glad that you basically put it me right where the line is. I appreciate that. Yeah. So basically, when people stare at me, they can just see a line on my head. That's he's, fantastic. He's the best interview in sports entertainment. He is. hates when I say things I made, like. I, I gave you ratings. You're welcome. Look, Adam, the Miz is one of those guys where even if he's going to decide to stay half kayfabe, it somehow still works. I'll listen to him cut promos on Daniel Bryan every day of the week. That was the least percentage of kayfabe that we've heard from him. And, I, and it was the best interview that I've heard from him that we've been involved in, which has been like three or four at this point. He's great, man. And yeah. he really understands it. And I love that the stuff with his dad is real because his dad's a character. Like, he's great. <laughs> And he really adds an element. Are you watching Ms. and Mrs. or not? I no, not yet. I need to. I, I tried to watch a couple minutes of an episode and it and it didn't so, click with me. I gotta commit. I gotta commit and just give now, it a try. He confirmed to you what I actually said. I don't remember if it was on the podcast or off. I think it was off. That I do like the show because it's a reality show, but it's actually comedy and it's not the drama of Total Bellas and every other reality show that you ever see. It's actually enjoyable. And I'm really happy for both of them because it's a unique show that you should be watching. And that's crazy that they got the new season so quickly. I mean, this is already a franchise where WWE can put good personalities into reality shows. But Miz seems to have that sort of extra next level of what? What do we call that thing when we can find the button in time? I mean, he seems to have that where, not to be corny, but you can put him on the Today Show. You can put him on MTV. You can put him anywhere. Now you can put him in a reality show like this and just basically be like, do corny stuff and fill the time. And it's working. I would not be surprised, and I'm not going to even say this is a prediction. It's more just like a, a guess. This is just a guess. I would not be surprised if he actually is WWE champion entering WrestleMania, because oh, I think we all he's on that pro- he's on that projected path. And he at at the Australia Super Showdown show, they've already announced a number one contendership. 
between Daniel Bryan and The Miz. That'll be the third time they fight in Australia for the WWE title. So I could easily see him winning again and actually beating AJ and taking the title into Mania against Daniel Bryan. The, that would be awesome. The smart in us would just mark, No pun intended. We would go nuts if he won the championship. It would, I mean, the Miz, it would be awesome. All right, we got to move forward. Finn Balor. Hey, talk to him a few times on the show. This was one of the most enjoyable times I had with the guy. Let's listen to it. Enjoy. We've been talking a lot today about face pain. We had the great Jeff Hardy breaking down his processes. Wow. Yeah, I'm sure game respects game. What do you think about what Jeff Hardy's been doing in the paint game recently? I love it. Uh, I love uh, the effect he puts on his, uh, his eyelids. That uh, trips me out every time, man. Yeah, I love it. Uh, Jeff is obviously someone I've looked up to uh, for a long time. And just getting to be able to work along beside him uh, at Raw before he got drafted to SmackDown. And now uh, watch and kind of watch... Uh, the growth of Jeff, uh, the new Jeff Hardy uh, on SmackDown is very, very cool to see, man. I'm excited to see him uh, at SummerSlam. We talked to you before about, about your epic paint when you do the demon character. Can you just remind us on the process, the time, how many people it takes? What's that like? Yeah, you know what? It changes every, th- every time, uh, depending on uh, how much time we have, the location, the venue, the opponent. Uh, you know, how, how I'm feeling. Uh, but uh, it's kind of like... Uh, it, it's real art, man, because, you know, you never really know what you're going to do when you go in there, uh, and you kind of just feel it out, and uh, it kind of grows and develops uh, in a couple hours, so you're going to a lot to, to paint in yourself, and normally I like it a lot about four hours, but honestly it takes five, five to six. Wow. Yeah, it's it's terrible, and it takes like that to take it off, too. So, uh, <laughs> you know, I'll be waking up, uh, you know, some Monday mornings and, you know, picking paint still out of my beard and stuff, you know. So uh, it's a nightmare. All right, final question on the paint here. We all grew up wrestling fans. What were your influences in terms of that category to see guys who, who got over with the face paint? Uh, obviously, as a kid, Ultimate Warrior, I was a huge fan of. Uh, and then, you know, Jeff as well was, was someone I looked up to incredibly at. Uh, Sting uh, to a lesser extent because uh, only because WCW wasn't available in Ireland uh, on TV, but uh, but now you can watch it on WWE Network. Easy. <laughs> All right, I got to ask you. There's a thin line sometimes between wrestling journalist and wrestling fan and wrestling mark because why would we watch so many hours if we didn't care this much as fans? And on these podcast shows like in this corner on CBS, uh-huh. look, Finn, we have these arguments about the way people are booked and handled, and we have this argument that what the hell's going on with Finn Balor? one of the short handful list of greatest superstars in the world. Why is he losing to Kane, the mayor of Knox County? Why are things happening? Maybe this is a lull in the big-term booking picture. Do you get as frustrated as we get? I absolutely do not get frustrated at all because uh, I have learned that you need to have patience. And I know that everyone likes to kind of figure out, you know, what's going on or kind of, you know, predict storylines and possible outcomes, but I just kind of turn up and go with the flow. And, uh, That's a great answer. Yeah, I, and I'm just, I'm, I know people are watching and they're invested and they want stuff to happen, but me, I'm living it and enjoying it and experiencing it, and I get to experience the highs and the lows, uh, but, you know, I get to get in the ring every day and wrestle. And that's, so that's really, a, great, that, 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 that's really that's my, a big picture that, answer. You know, you know, I didn't dream of like being a champion. I dreamed about being a wrestler, and I'm a wrestler, and I get to wrestle every day. And I don't right. care who it's against or what title it's for or, or what TV show it's on. If you want to put me in a ring in Mexico, I'll wrestle there, or in, in Jamaica, or back home in Ireland, I'll wrestle anywhere. I'm getting to wrestle on WWE Raw live every Monday night. 
and uh, I'm not complaining. And look, Kane's a legend. I did lose a bit of my soul when he pinned you twice, though, but great did answer, though. Did he pin me twice? I don't know. It's, it's a foggy yeah, memory. I just... Once, anyway. Oh definitely once. Yeah. Oh, wow. <laughs> well, you said patience, and of course, we've you've, they've well documented your journey coming back from the injury, yeah. and this is the spot, Brooklyn, where it happened, SummerSlam it is, 2016. Yeah. Yeah. Is it when you come back to the Barclays, when you come back to the city, is it bittersweet because it's one of the biggest moments of your career and one of the biggest letdowns, maybe? Yeah, I wouldn't say let down. I would say uh, it was a building block for my career. Um, you know, I like to try and take the positive out of every situation, and that was definitely uh, the biggest learning experience uh, of my career. And, you know, a lot of people say, ah, oh, you know, what if you didn't get hurt? What would have happened? But I really believe in, like, the fact that everyone has their journey, uh, and that's the way it's supposed to be. And, uh, you know, when I got hurt, I was laying on the floor outside the ring and I thought to myself, this is very typical of you to put another obstacle in your way of what you want, you know? And, uh, that, and that's the way I treated it. The injury was just another obstacle to getting uh, where I wanted to be and that was to be the top. And, uh, you know, it just kind of knocked me off the top for a minute and, I, and I'm ready and willing to climb back. And uh, it was... Uh, it was weird coming back last year. I got to be honest there, uh, and, and it was there was definitely like a little uh, like feeling of uh, nervousness going in there. But I remember coming back uh, coming backstage last year after facing Bray Wyatt, and uh, I went straight into the trainers' room uh, where a lot of the wrestlers are getting prepared. And one of the wrestlers there that was getting prepared was Seth Rollins, and I walked right up to him and I said, "Brother." <laughs> I made it, and we high-fived each other, and we hugged, and uh, it was a very cool good moment. Good bro moment. Yeah, like it, was, it. it was a good bro moment, and, uh, you know, uh, obviously, uh, you know, I got that one under uh, under my belt, and uh, I'm ready to rock now. All right, on July 25th, I turned 40, wow. and I'm fighting off the age curve. I may even color the, the top of my hair, but no, don't tell right, anybody. But, right. Finn, I found out that day that that was my your birthday 37th birthday. Yeah. How the hell are you 37? I said, hell, how the hell are you 37? Uh, I'm 37 because I was born 37 years ago. Uh. <laughs> In 1981. You're winning the battle against age here, bro. <laughs> well, you know, stay positive. Don't let things stress you out too much. Don't worry about stuff that you can't control, like, you know, booking and, Kane, yeah. and media and politics. Just, you know, I focus on what's around me and, uh, and, and worry about that. I got to work on that, my abs then. I mean, can I, I mean, if you can do this at 37, maybe I got to hope at I 40. I, I think the amount of laughing I do as well, like, there's a lot of, like, internal crunches that <laughs> maybe that might be something to do with it I got, time is short here you gave us a tease of an aj styles pay-per-view match last fall and we all marked the heck out for it brother <laughs> did you feel that same feeling uh, you know what it was uh, it was a little bit of a tease because i feel like we only kind of brush the surface of what uh, me and aj can deliver someone you know me and aj have uh, had very similar careers uh, but we've always kind of just missed each other wherever we've gone I was in New Japan, he was in TNA uh, he came to New Japan the same day I left and went to NXT oh, yeah. the day I got drafted to Raw he got drafted to Smackdown and we always just missed each other And uh, that was a short notice match with no build and uh, getting the opportunity to, to get in there with him was incredible that night and uh, something that I'm very grateful for having that opportunity and uh, hopefully it won't be too long and we do it again. Okay, you just fired me up. Final question here, Finn. You were going to fight Bray. going to have a match with uh, Bray last year. He got unfortunately sick. Yeah. Plans had to get changed. We saw Kurt Angle suddenly in a tactical vest. We didn't see the pumpkin demon 
Finn Balor. And sometimes I like to say, I'm happy we didn't. Are you happy we didn't? <laughs> you know what? No comment. <laughs> the best, the best right here. The baller, Finn Balor, great stuff. Thank All you, sir. Right. Thank you very much. Thank you. Okay, look, you know I'm going to be that guy, Adam, when I get that chance. And by the way, Finn was leaving. He had already done every other interview. Uh, my produce, great producer, Jamie Mazowskis, grabbed him. Finn, can you please do a couple extra minutes? He looked tired, disheveled. He said, all right, guys. And then he turned it on. And you know BC's got to ask him about those booking debates we have every single week on this show about him. This was two days before he came back as the demon, of course. But what would you think about his answers, which were, tell me if I'm wrong, politically in business correct yet you can see through the cracks what he really feels well the pumpkin demon question was incredible it had to be asked when I, while i was listening to it because i wasn't there i should have been but i wasn't in brooklyn for, for SummerSlam. um and maybe your opinion and attitude would have been better if i was uh but i was hoping that you would get to that question on the back end of all the makeup stuff that you're already talking about you asked him the response was priceless it was without saying so I knew it was going to be a disaster. Thank <laughs> God Bray got the mumps. Like that's basically what he wanted to say, but couldn't say it outside of that. I thought he was pretty candid throughout. I didn't like, and I actually believe it's his real opinion. I didn't like that. He wasn't title hungry. Yeah. I, I look personally from reading him in person, I felt like he was trying to say the right answer. And I feel like he's trying to talk himself into the idea of, okay, I can't get stressed out about all this booking stuff. I'm a WWE superstar. I'm doing all these great things. It'll come around to me. And look, I'm not naive enough. He's to right, think. by the way. It will. Yeah, and so I, I feel like he's talking himself into that, but I feel like he showed his true competitive heart to the pumpkin question and then to when I said when Kane pinned you twice and I lost <laughs> right. a bit of my soul and he jumped. Well, no, that was only once. That was only once. So, you know, he's keep, he knows exactly what's going on, but, well, but look, great he talk. He knows. I'm sure they told him what Meltzer reported, which is, hey, Finn, you're probably going to be in the title match at Royal Rumble. And then at some point they had to tell him, actually, we're going in a different direction and Kane's going to pin you on Monday Night Clean. So if you're, a, if you're a professional, like if you said to me, hey, Adam, you no longer get to cover college football and golf and combat sports. We need you to cover tennis. You'd be like, what? Really? And I would do a great job and maybe one day I'd settle into that position, but I wouldn't like it and I'd be really upset about it. So I think that's kind of what his opinion was there. Yeah, and to hear him, I asked him the question, but to hear his answer reminded me of how great that AJ match was. I sort of asked yes. him about him in passing, and then my mind started to blow up of what it could be like if we did that right. I feel like we may never see that, and we may never see it to the level that we want because it's two baby faces. It's sort of like too good to be true, two smarky guys. The hey, smart both fans of love. them, both of them are capable of being here. He'll, we'll definitely see that. Like, people, don't think we're gonna, people don't think we're going to see AJ Rollins. We're going to see A.J. Rollins, I, I guarantee My it. point is that there's guys that we love that Vince doesn't have the same vision for and may not put them together. But if they did, and it was club versus club, and the real-life storyline was played up, that the day Finn left the Bullet Club, A.J. took his spot, and you have Gallows and Anderson there, and whoever they end up getting from Japan by the time this feud actually happens, fighting on either side, we could have a Bullet Club war that BC's going to pop massive for. I you, I would be so... Oh I'm all in. Yes, Brandon. Are you all in, Brian? Oh, come on. I'm... Come on, I would be oh, so come on, all in on that. Oh. All right, why don't we get to uh, the final interview here. It's, we got Elias, and I, I, this one surprised me, actually. It was almost entirely kayfabe, but... <laughs> but but that's okay, because from Elias, you know what? Like, I care about him as a person. I would like to know more about him. But you kind of want the KFAB interview with Elias at this point. Yeah, let, let, let's hear it, then we'll break it down. 
Enjoy. SummerSlam weekend, I stand with Elias. So that's S-W-E-A-T, sweat. That, that makes sense this weekend. It's very, very hot here. Wow. Elias, you're moving mountains. You're changing the game in a way that's really unique. Talk to me about how fired up you are. Well, you know, I'm changing lives on a daily basis. You know what I mean? And it's just, it's within me to do something like this. Uh, I was just, I was born, I was created, and now here I am for everybody you know I mean the world is watching this is what they want to see Elias uh, you know as much of me as they can so right. uh, that's what I'm doing I'm just doing my thing here man I'm in Brooklyn getting ready for SummerSlam big performance great song coming up but you already know that big Go. performance in New York but I want to talk to you about the big performance in New Orleans because this was a surprise WrestleMania weekend for the fans to get a taste to put Elias on the lips just for a second just to see how it feels how nervous were you unveiling the songs Crowd doesn't know you're going to be there. Oh. What's going on behind the scenes in the in the mind of Elias? First off, are we talking about the uh, Bourbon Street performance? Bourbon Street. Yeah, of course. So listen, man, that was something I wanted to do. I've got all this music inside me. Uh, at the time, I had all my songs from the album inside me. I wanted to just, I, I couldn't wait any longer. wanted to give them a piece of, uh, of me. So I went there, I showed up. Yeah, you never know what you're going to get, but you know you got Elias, so you know it's going to be good. And uh, sure enough, Man, I get into it, and by the end of it, I don't know if you saw my documentary. I mean, people are singing along to the words. They're singing, you know, I see so many stupid people. I want to punch them in the face. It's uh, <laughs> one of the catchy, uh, you know, courses that I wrote. So uh, that was it, man. It was a fantastic experience. When you're Elias and you're now putting out great music, you do great matches, you wrestle without a shirt, are there groupies in the life of Elias? Uh, yeah, we don't like to use that term, okay? But yes, there are, there are plenty of, uh, are we talking specifically female fans here? We talk, I don't know what we're, we're messing with here on... You know, uh, it's, whatever's your flavor, it's wide open for you. You're right, okay, here's the thing. We'll just leave it at that. Yes, there are plenty of Elias admirers out there, and uh, Elias respects each and every one of them. That's so they all get to I'll take do. home more than the CD, if you will. <laughs> if you did. He I, did. I, yeah, I he smashed. Like, yeah. Guys, he smashed. Let's move on, all right? Wow. Yeah, on cool. to the next. Editor, cut that out in the post-edit <laughs> script. All right, Elias. Uh, what you're doing, though, can be compared to a couple guys in the past, but I think you're taking it to the next level. So let's see. Let's, let's talk see. about Jeff Jarrett. Let's talk right. about the Honky Tonk Man. Are they on the same stratosphere Not as what a lot? Not at all. I mean, they've got a great wrestling background. There's no doubt about it. But when it comes to wrestling and entertainment, there's nothing like it, man. And just for the record, for anybody out there, Jeff Jarrett cannot play guitar. <laughs> <laughs> Honky Tonk Man cannot play guitar. Elias, guitar, piano, harmonica, drums. I mean, you name it, I can do anything, man. I even wrote a song in my album called Nothing I Can't Do. Just kind of lists off just a bunch of things I can do. So, um, you know, when I hear the comparisons, I get it because they carried a guitar around with them. Uh, they're in the wrestling business, but... When you break it down and you just look at us individually, there's just no comparisons. All right. Well, Led Zeppelin gets discredit for stealing a lot of the old blues tracks off of their first album. Some people look at Elias that maybe don't follow the product today and go, hey, I saw The Rock do that same gimmick. That's another thing. Okay, that's another thing. And I hear The Rock, and uh, yeah, man, it's, it's a, that's a subject that gets me fired up, The Rock, okay? He came out, he played guitar. First off, he did cover songs. I'm doing originals. That's just one little thing. Now, he did these concerts, uh, rock concerts, as he called them, maybe five, six times throughout his career. 
I am performing on a nightly basis for WWE. I'm doing it in front of tens of thousands of people at the live events every single week, then millions on Monday Night Raw. I mean, The Rock cannot do what I do. The I'm, Rock I'm, cannot I'm, hold your jock is what you just said. That, I didn't say that. You said that. But if you want to put it out there, that's fine. I'm letting you know The Rock wants to do that. You know, and a lot of other things, people say there's comparisons with the way we talk to the crowd and, you know, the crowd involvement and things. That's another thing. The Rock, he had plenty of catchphrases. You know, it was, a, it was a fun time when The Rock was out there. I get that. But my performances are on a different level. And if The Rock ever wants to come and walk with Elias, he knows exactly where to find me. It's my wow. show on wow. Monday Night Raw. Rock, you know. I know he's a busy man. He's got movies going on or whatever, but I'm a busy man, too. I would make time for The Rock if he shows up. Wow. Wow, that's hot fire right there. All right, let me ask you this. You're doing a lot of Unplugged. We're going to see you plug in because when Dylan plugged in in 66, it changed the game. Elias, will you change the game and plug in on Raw one day? You know what? I, I got to say, man, I can do anything, right? So at any point, and even on my album, I did play an electric guitar solo for anybody that was paying uh, you know, close attention. So... That said, will I go electric at some point? It is very possible. I'm very happy with my acoustic right now. I'm very happy with the way it's set up, but uh, you know, the, the natural rhythm of a rock star will take you to electric at some point, so. All right, I want to close with this. We're big Dusty Rhodes fans. Some people say you were the last of the late Dusty Rhodes projects that he worked with in NXT. What did you learn from him? What's the legacy of what you're carrying on from him? Man, uh, Dusty was such a fantastic storyteller. And uh, yes, I'm, uh, it kind of gives me goosebumps that you brought that up, man, because God, he was so good to so many people. He was so good to me. He believed in Elias before, I mean, before anybody believed in Elias. He, saw, he was able to just see what would take somebody to the next level and pull that out of them. And man, uh, I'll just forever be indebted to Dusty and the time he spent with me and, and the knowledge he passed on to me. So, man, thank you for bringing that up because that gets, gets me emotional. Great stuff. They can still purchase this, this great music. Your EP on iTunes, correct? EP on iTunes, Walk with Elias. It's still available for purchase, but uh, if you haven't got it by now, I mean, you're one of the very few. It's sold very well. You're pretty lame at this point. Hey, Elias, thanks for talking to us. You're the best, man. Enjoy SummerSlam. This is great. Yeah, thank you very much. You mentioned the keyword out front, kayfabe, but it's different than other people who get stuck in kayfabe in that he's – Talking himself to believe to, to believe in this character, and he's delivering right, it right. with with such like humorous levels, and and it's really you go back and watch that WWE Network special. He doesn't break character once. It's incredible. I love talking to this guy. I would love to go like half hour, hour. Like, are you kidding me? The hilarious. I'm calling out the Rock. That's great. Um, I I'm not actually sure if it's a rumor or a report. I forget what the case is, but there has been talk that The Rock is considering coming back to WrestleMania 35 to fight Elias. And it played into that. I don't know. Did you know that when you asked that question or no? You had told me about that rumor a couple weeks ago. And I and at the okay. time, I sort of crapped on it going, no, I, if I'm going to see Rock, I want him more. I want him in something bigger. But you know what? Rock's probably never going to do again a half-hour main event WrestleMania match. So it's probably going to have to be something short, more mic-driven. Something like this. Yeah, it would even be cool, honestly, if he host if he came back to host WrestleMania and they built it up that way. Imagine that. The Rock hosting WrestleMania 35, and then he's in the ring for a segment. Elias comes, and then all of a sudden you get this dueling thing. Maybe they do the Rock concert there. Who the hell knows? It would be awesome. And yes, The Rock, because here's the thing. Anyone can beat Elias, and it will never hurt Elias. 
because he's a heat-seeking missile. So you can put the rock in, you can have him squash him in four minutes, and fans would eat it up and not think twice about it on Monday. It'd be great. And uh, yeah, he, and I think uh, I think he's really he's really pulling in these groupies. I think he's smashing. I think it's absolutely it's a good time to be Elias right now. I, if I can read his face, uh, he, I liked how hesitant he was, and I'm I'm making the assumption that he's single because if not, he, you'd expect him to go. Well, I'm actually married, but it is nice the attention, you know. No, that he didn't say that. So good for him. He's living That's the great. gimmick. You got You got to love it. You it's, it's, live it's a good time. the gimmick. Live the gimmick. Yes, That's absolutely. What I'm talking about. All right, Adam, we got to roll. This is an unconventional show. Nick Costos running through here. Do with that what you will. We heard the interviews, but we didn't get to break down NXT, where it's going after Brooklyn for the takeover card. Uh, no sound effects. Let's get right into it. Adam, five matches. Five matches that deliver. I'm not here to tell you, and I feel like knee-jerk, we always have to do this. I'm not here to tell you it's the greatest takeover card ever. But it's certainly in that realm, in that category. This was freaking insane. This was probably the problem for the podcast you heard Sunday night. Maybe it was a bad time coming off the G1 too. But seriously, this was so damn good. Every attention to detail, everything mattered. Every match was treated like it was the most important match of the night. And I cannot tell you enough, Adam, the difference in the crowd on Saturday and Sunday. And I know you've been in big pay-per-view crowds of both Saturdays and Sundays. You know that feel. This was a Saturday NXT crowd that was more for the product and everyone involved than really I've ever heard before. They almost willed some of these matches to another half star, if you will, higher. The Sunday crowd... Different vibes, Smarky, almost ready to be let down. Saturday, they come to be part of the show in the most pure and proper way. Did you feel coming through your TV what I felt in the arena that night? Oh, of course. And I think that's like the third or second, I don't remember, takeover that I've been to. And dude, like New Orleans was the same thing. It's incredible. The experience at an NXT takeover is unlike any other wrestling experience I've ever had. And that includes Raw during the Attitude Era. Like, height of Raw. Um, I was in the crowd for not the first, but the second Chris Jericho return. Not, 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 not his debut, his return. The Y2J. Uh, I was in the crowd for that. It was incredible. It was electric. NXT takeovers are just special. And the reason is, everyone there is the same mindset. I want to see great wrestling, and I want to see it in a WWE-ish style. They trust the booking. They're not concerned when something happens earlier in a match or one match finishes a certain way that it's going to affect the next one. Each match is allowed to stand on its own. And my favorite thing, and you experience it live, but you don't experience it as much live as you do when you're watching on TV. They let the spotlight shine on the workers. They get in the ring, they announce the match, and the lights go down. It's what NJPW does. It makes it feel special. It's so 80s. and important. It does. And, and by the way, if it, I don't know if you could see from TV, but like all those LED lights and, and screens on the, on, you know, above the stage are all turned black. All you have is the giant number four in the walkway to go through Gorilla and the NXT logo for TakeOver above it. There's no other signage, no other anything. It's about the damn wrestling. No beach balls, no signs. It's really about the wrestling. And when you see the main roster people get shuffled into the front row and you see them marking out Rousey, Kevin Owens, Mark Henry, people going nuts. I feel like, Adam, the main roster guys that haven't gotten a taste of this want a taste of this. And look, I I asked 
Trips the question afterwards at the post press conference that they hold, and I've asked him the same question many times before about you know are we going to finally get to that point where guys are going from one brand to another, going up and down from NXT, and he sort of gave the same corporate answer. All this time, I felt a little tease when he said, "Hey, a little bit different. Next bit time different. there's a superstar shakeup, who knows? Maybe you'll see a big change. I don't know when that day's coming, and until that day ever comes, this will still be a developmental brand. But people that love." wrestling at its best want to be a part of this want to see it want to taste it this is everything we want and need i mean the only thing better than this is the in-ring part of japan when they can go to that next level and play but it's this. not even but it's not even even we even on this comparison it's not even fair it's just there's certain guys in njpw who are great among the best ever like if kenny omega and okada had the same match in nxt it could be the same quality. Well, I, at the NXT, I'm sorry. The Japan matches are more physical, dangerous. It's more like a real fight. That's really my point on that. We don't have to go down, up and down. The I road know. I'm just. What, all I'm saying is they're they're also they also have some of the best wrestlers in the world, like legitimately one through four. So well, when you have that, it's going to be different. Like just without any other, you know, anything else. Well, I think what's just going to be better and different. This calendar year so amazing from NXT is that now you can say that again about independent talent because NXT is so damn loaded i mean yes you have a homegrown guy in velveteen dream but almost everyone else is a talent from overseas or an independent talent that that has come through and it's just i mean we've said it before in the preview we'll say it now this group right now put it put them in a package put a bow on it this is the best nxt has ever seen not just in quality of shows but in depth of the cards and the roster there was a strong list of people that weren't even on this show adam because they're sticking to the five match format we only we don't have a lot of time but i want to hit a little bit match by match and hit big picture what were you gonna say well no i was gonna say I, i disagree with the first thing you said the best group was the new orleans group like that that was a better group than who who, who are we missing from this then like almost Right? Yeah, some, I guess. I guess. Uh, so I, I'm, it's not. It's it's very. It's a very little difference. I guess I'm, com- era, I'm keeping him in this because it's the same calendar year. So mentally, this era, yeah. this, this era of NXT is the best era of NXT if you span it over nine months. Let's say. Yeah. Who did we lose? Like we lost Ember Moon, AOP, Sanity, Ember Moon, almost. Right. Then this calendar year, 2018, the, the roster yeah. pre and post. Yeah, it's right there. All right, we we started off. What was the kickoff match on here? Well, let me give you. Let me give you four words. This is how we'll start. Call me up. Vince. Oh, yeah. Velveteen Dream, EC3, had no business being as good as it was. Holy cow, Velveteen Dream has it. They, they sold out. They physically sold out. Velveteen Dream is so much balls to come out with that. Now, to be fair for anybody that didn't hear, Triple H was doing these post-press conferences, taking phone calls, live questions. He was asked about it. He's claiming he didn't know. Vince didn't know. No one knew they until knew. until knew. Velveteen walked out in the middle of the ring. That is such BS. They are over seeing every inch of that operation. They knew, but obviously for that to happen, the idea's got to come from somebody. Now, would I be a little disappointed if I found out that idea came from Triple H and Vince? Yeah, that would take away a little of the... Uh, it came from Dream. It's his idea. I, I, I want to believe it is, and I will believe it is. And that's just balls. And it's saying, look at me. And it's saying, I'm 22, and I can back it up. And he was booked like a star. He looked like a star. This had great spots. EC3 came out looking like a star. An odd heel versus heel match where both were... It was hard to pick who was going to win. We thought it would be Dream, but like... Man, 15 minutes of just awesome. I know he can't win every time, and I know he's a heel, so he's going to lose a lot. But the moment of him winning is what I've been telling you I've wanted for so long. 
And I know he can't win every match. And I, like, like I said, but you have to give him these, right? You have to give him these nuggets of opportunity to show that, yeah, we, we, we may not be ready to put him in the NXT title picture or even the North America title picture yet. But we believe in this guy and we are pushing him and we're going to consistently believe in him and allow him to show off. I, that purple rainmaker from the top rope oh. to the apron, holy crap, and they let him win clean. It was perfect. And I was nervous to be, I'm really honest, I was nervous that he was going to get called up. But yet, the, the odd thing is, even if you told me Vince is going to do his best to not push him in the best possible light like he's pushed at NXT, I think he's a rare guy that can survive that because I think he's got everything. He doesn't, he doesn't just have it, Adam. He has everything. I look, think look, he can he, do all Mike if they, if they made him a character that's basically all segments in Mike. I feel like if they actually let him wrestle on the main roster, he could be amazing. And I feel like tomorrow he could do any role they wanted on the main roster, even heavy lifting at the highest level. He could. Um, I think people have a real huge misconception of what like NXT call-ups wind up being in WWE just because a couple of them don't work out. Look, every time a tag team's called up, it's a disaster. Outside of that, the vast majority of them succeed. Like half or more of the main roster was in NXT at one point. So you can't tell me that like it doesn't work out. Guess who was in NXT? Roman Reigns, Seth Rollins, Dean Ambrose, all of the women for the most part. And Asuka, you'll point out Asuka. Well, she was undefeated for a year. And yes, she lost. Now we don't love what they're doing with her, but she was undefeated. She won the Royal Rumble. So did Shinsuke Nakamura. He was in the main event WWE title, you know, with AJ. Samoa Joe is in this awesome program right now. So look, they don't bury NXT talent, but they do make occasional bad decisions, such as Bobby Roode making him face where it ruins the guy and there's nothing that they can do at this point to salvage it. So let's just not act like every time someone gets called up, it's a bad thing because it's not true. Okay, we got a lot more. NXT Tag Team Championship. This is what opened the show. Undisputed Era defending and retaining against Mustache Mountain. Is there, am I wrong to say that Undisputed Era as a faction, because they are four, actually has an opportunity to make it, like all together, get called up at the same time, be a difference maker in WWE. Yeah. It feels like they are. They have the swagger. They really work on the microphone. They look the part. The only thing is the collective size, which we've talked about ad nauseum. But when you were looking at this match, I mean, these are three of the four best. When you add Tyler Bates to the discussion, yeah, to the discussion, three of the four yeah. best workers in like the whole company. Like Roderick Strong is so damn underrated. O'Reilly has long term star potential. Obviously, Cole, who wasn't in this match is so damn good on the mic with the swagger. This could be a shield-like impact on the main roster. I know if anyone wants to argue with the size, I get it. But outside of that size, it works. Adam, this match, we got we to gotta speed here, but this match was fantastic. It was in the argument for best match of the night. And when you consider the other matches that happened after this, that's crazy. It wasn't better than their NXT regular match that took the belts off of Mustache. But the Finals. fact that they... They bring back the towel throw, and then Trent Seven throws the towel into the crowd. Instead, there were great moments, great false finishes. This was a freaking classic masterpiece, and and a great and a great real finish. Like the the way the match actually ended was fantastic. It didn't let Mustache Mountain look bad. It allowed them to retain the titles. Loved, loved, loved it. But it was not even. It was very good. It was great. It was not even close to the best match of the night. Because how can you have a best match of the night without? Adam Cole Bebe and Ricochet in the NXT North American title match. Ricochet winning. Like, we can talk about this for hours, and we're not going to because we have a, a little time crunch here. But, BC, that was – I forget if it was a moonsault or a shooting star. Oh, the lion salt off the second rope, and Adam Cole catches oh. him with the super kick. At that moment, I said, this is about – like, it was already great. 
this is going to be the best match of the night, starting with that moment. Holy crap. This had like the last 10 minutes, or let's say, so it was a 15-minute match. Probably the last five or six were like on fast forward. It was incredible. It just took it quarter star up, quarter star up, quarter star up, and it was rising. The moveset Ricochet did in the final minute those those was insane, the sequence. It was Seth Rollins-like in the sense that you're putting crazy move, crazy move, crazy move together, but he's doing it with an even higher level of wow factor and athleticism. Damn, this guy could be a star. Can't wait to share the chat I did have with him next week, by the way. Really good to get. We replaced the one you had, which I'm sure was great with the sound issues, but uh, this is probably the best match tonight. Probably. There's a good argument to make with the main event, and I didn't think Cole was going to carry the load that he did. He was perfect in the swarmy heel mode. The facials he made after the close pins, immaculate. Immaculate. And I know we can't go back down that road, and you're going to tell me all the reasons why we can't have matches like this in SummerSlam pay-per-views, and I disagree completely. Imagine, though, if you could layer the butter of this match and put it all over Miz and Daniel Bryan, or put it all over... Well, no, you can, you can have this match at SummerSlam. WWE, you could have this match on a WWE pay-per-view. The problem is, we didn't. Ricochet isn't in WWE, well, and Ricochet, I, and and The Miz ain't Ricochet, in I terms know, of athleticism. But even for anyone else on that card, if they could just, if they could just blueprint this and have... It would the, be nice to have seen Rollins-Ziggler a match like this, because yeah. you know they can, they're capable of doing it in many ways. Okay, we got a little bit more to do. NXT Women's Championship. Kyrie Sane won the title by defeating Shayna Baszler. I, I got to be honest, I'm sh- I was shocked that they let her win. Not let her, but they booked it that way. And, dude, like, it was the perfect finish again, because you don't want – it wouldn't be believable for Sane to actually knock out Baszler, right, and actually get the 1-2-3 like that. It was a really smart roll-up, and the – it was one of the better women's matches that we've seen in a long time in NXT, which is kind of weird. And it was 100% Shayna Baszler's best match. Yeah, I mean, it may not have been as good as that Ember Moon Asuka one that really surprised us earlier this year. But the pop was massive, and you nailed it. I didn't think she was going to win. I don't think anyone in the arena thought she was going to win because Sane had already, oh, wow, that was gross, had already hit the big elbow and didn't get the pin. And you're like, there goes her chance. You know what's going to happen next. This was great booking, great intensity. Again, you know it already. NXT TakeOver is, is just immaculate. Adam, it's... it's Like, yeah, I know okay, BC's going to mark out again. Yeah, that's great. No, seriously, it's just... You already know it tastes so damn good. It's a, it's a 100... It's at least a $100 steak. And it's with this high-craft IPA next to it that's like 14% content alcohol. And it's somebody underneath, like, rubbing your legs at the same time. And it's somebody, like, giving you, like, a shampoo. Like, at the kid, you go to the... Your mom will take you to the salon. They do the full shampoo. And it's like somebody... It's like a lot of gross things happening at once. It's the best experience ever. Did that make any sense? No, no. It did. No, it's... And there's nothing wrong with you saying that. You know I completely agree with you. It's It's just the other stuff that is the issue. But you're right. It's just... You get a match like this where your your expectations are low going in and they just knocked it out of the damn park. And it's not that we didn't think either of them aren't good wrestlers. We know they're both great wrestlers, but Shayna Baszler matches generally aren't as athletic and they don't go that way, basically. And this one went that way. It had a fantastic finish. And anytime there's a title change like that, you get a massive pop. It's great. So let's talk about where we didn't see a title change. The NXT Championship, last man standing match. Match Tommaso Ciampa, Johnny Gargano. Now, coming out of this match, we can talk about this match for a few minutes, but coming out of this, in that press conference with Triple H, he indicated that Johnny Gargano actually got injured, and I think it's like dislocated his knee or something there, and the finish was changed. I don't know if I believe that because the finish was perfect. That's the thing. So either they had the perfect fix or, or 
it was not, you know, this is all BS. And I don't know how they would have communicated that to Ciampa from the position he was at tied up in a handcuff. So that was all interesting. I still can't figure out exactly, you know, if you just say, well, what would the finish have been? I guess a draw, I guess both men down a draw to keep it going, but I don't know why you still couldn't have had that with Gargano injured. Anyway, 33 minutes and 42 seconds. I had questions coming in at how giving us another stipulation, violent match, how they were going to win me over. I was enthralled. I thought this was actually better than New Orleans, and maybe you think that's blasphemy. The finish was immaculate. It was so perfect to have him fall off the stage, but the handcuff keeps him standing up. That's brilliant. And it took people kind of a few seconds to kind of in the crowd to do the math and kind of realize what was happening. And then you're like, oh, wow, no one's going to run in. This is really how it's going to end, and that's amazing. They sold out their bodies the upside-down table, the pulling up of the padding on the ring. I didn't think... I thought it was going to look like the other matches too much, and I was going to be like, okay, good match, but it didn't do much for me for the storyline. No, to me, this makes the storyline even better because I think it's going to make them have to work, put in a few more sprinkles and wrinkles and see what they can do with Candice or whatever, but loved, loved, loved this match. This NXT thing is real, guys, and I know a lot of you have tasted and seen the NJPW, and you're like, BC, I'm being honest, I don't get it. Well, anyone out there that's not watching NXT for some odd reason, guys, prioritize it above the main roster. The ma- these takeovers are life-changing. This is such pure and amazing wrestling. It's, it, it doesn't just touch your feel spot. It doesn't tease it. It kind of like puts the foot inside of it and just twists it around. It's absolutely incredible, Adam. This match, I don't even want to speculate where it's going to go next because I'm in such a great spot as a fan. I want them to show me in, tr- in trips we trust. You know this. Yeah, I'm not going to speculate on the future of it because it really can go so many ways. And who the hell knows if they actually want it to end back in Brooklyn at WrestleMania, which is a long time away, or like Survivor Series weekend or Royal Rumble weekend, at, you know, at War Games Survivor Series weekend. Who who the hell knows? What I will say, it was not a better match because it was too repetitive from the prior one to say that it was suddenly above and beyond. But the finish oh. was absolutely better. And I pre- not predicted, but when we were talking during it, I thought it might be a draw. I thought that would have would have been really smart booking. But I don't mind Ciampa, Ciampa going over again because the whole point of this is Gargano eventually needs to win the title from Ciampa. So whether he draws, whether he loses, it doesn't really matter. I like that he's broken and now he has to reconsider everything. Oh, and you him know, overcoming, he, not wanting to kick him. Oh, that was all right. It was and, great. And it was also great. And, and the thing that I told you that you didn't fully catch that we did get on TV was Ciampa was profusely apologizing and begging Johnny for, to, you know, to, for... What am I, what's the word I'm looking for here? To take it easy on him and not knee him in the face, basically. Oh um, God, and so the cameras caught that on purpose. It was great. Fantastic match. Fantastic pay-per-view. Um, takeover. Amazing. Oh, man, I'm fired up for this. Oh, my God. Anyway, special thanks to Elias, The Miz, Finn Balor, and you, the listeners. Look, I, honestly, I don't know if you're going to hear from Nick Costas again. We got some stuff to work out on the side there, but it was a big part of our show. You tell us. Who you think won the debate? Who, who who won the mock trial? Who is on target here after what happened? Not just on Sunday, but on Monday and Tuesday. Follow us at In This Corner CBS. Not really much else to say, but goodbye. Okay, now say goodbye. Goodbye. Say goodbye. Goodbye. Okay, now get out of here. Oh, that's right a little now. rough, Randy. Right? Yeah, but it is rough. Yeah, wrestling is a rough sport. The people spoke Monday morning. Brian screwed. Brian. We out.